My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Again, with your Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, it's like therapy. You know, if I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? This is a sacred relationship to me. And those symbologies that they've used have been bastardized so much of making it, making these symbols scary or, or, you know, associated with the dark and like that whole Bohemian Grove care bullshit. That's just a symbol of bullshit. We can't give it that attention anymore. The the real thing that the owl is trying to teach us is to shut up and listen. Because those guys are, the word I always use for them is unfuckwithable. Because, you know what? You don't govern me. You know, they're just, this is, we know what we are. They are comfortable in their presence. When you sit with an owl, it's powerful and amazing scary the owls they are the guardians as we spiral further into the aquarian age we turn to the air for omens in the form of birds. The owl, a magical guardian of the nocturnal realm perched in its aura of mystery, offers us a window into the ancient occulted night and clues towards the veiled secrets of the moon. Our guest, Gordy Hamill, has tapped into a resonance field that centers around a tree inhabited by this very peculiar bird. A family of owls, in fact, and somehow, some way, Gordy has achieved a greater sense of harmony within his own life through the subtle and shamanic connection he has developed with these owls. And in an act of synchronicity, I had a similar experience with an owl exactly a year prior to the day that this conversation took place. I'm Mystic Mark. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy this conversation with Gordy Hamill.
having these conversations, asking questions that were in my mind. And, you know, a couple of days goes by after the episode's published and people are like, hey, I was thinking that too, you know, I get all these nice messages from people who seem to be thinking very parallel. So, so yeah, I'm yeah. sure people will be able to relate. Isn't that interesting? Like the more we talk about the, about the stuff that we think is, or just is completely taboo, every, all these people start being authentic to ourselves and talking about these things. All of a sudden there's all these other people that we didn't know about. And that's what's happening. That's what's cool that's happening with this community is that we've all had these weird experiences, magical, spiritual experiences that, you know, are undefinable, but we can start to define them once we have other people's experiences. So I think it's really important to share our experiences and how we got, you know, if we succeeded in getting through that, we need to share that stuff. I think it's important. Agreed. Well, without further ado, let's get started, brother. Yeah, because I good. think that's, no, no, no. That's like the total mission statement of the episode so far. I love it. I think this is where we're, where we're heading. I just want to get our uh, Telegram group live so everybody on Telegram can tune in. Is there anything other than weaving spiders that you want to plug or what, what else you got going on? My Instagram, I have a YouTube channel. Okay. I, that I've really only had, I, I put something up. Well, I, I'll talk about it. I have a YouTube channel and an Instagram. Okay. And Instagram, I post all the owl pictures. If you're up on my, following my owl stuff. Cool. So. I definitely want to go there because there was a very weird, actually, okay. This is not planned, but I'm realizing this right now because you said owls. And, you know, we were supposed to have this conversation yesterday. But a year ago today, I had a weird owl encounter in the forest in the daytime. So maybe we'll see. Do you want to save it for? <laughs> we're recording. We're recording. So oh, yeah. we can just keep going. I just, I'm just not live streaming okay. yet for, for everybody. Let me just write Gordon Hamill live on MFTIC, unless you prefer Gordy. Um. Do you prefer Gordo, Gordy, Gordon? Let's stick to Gordy because it kind of, since you just had Gordon on, Gordon White, and Good there's point. kind of a lot, a lot of Gordons in the community, we could just stick with Gordon. Individuate yourself. I like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like it. A lot of this ties into a lot of what Gordon White was talking about with the animism too. I could go on about that. Particularly I mean, uh, with the owls? Yeah. Okay. For sure, man. I've, and the psychic Catherine O'Shea, it's, I, dude, we could do hours. <laughs> if you want to do <laughs> I, I'm anticipating us being here. So okay. don't worry. There's no rush. Um, okay, cool. Cool. All right, brother. Well, here we are, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the show. You know who I am. And with us today is someone who I've met weaving webs where the spiders go on the YouTubes and soon to be hopefully Alt Media United. This man has been on several podcasts that I've listened to and 
with podcasters who are also in Alt Media United. So it's about time we have them here. Gordy Two Shoes, a.k.a. Gordy Hamill. Welcome to the show, brother. How are you? I'm good, buddy. It's good to talk to you again. I agree. We can have a little bit of time to ourselves and, you know, really dig. Exactly. Exactly. And there is a lot to be said as we kind of jumped around from point to point in the beginning there. But before we go too far away from maybe the formula for this show, did you have an initial moment that woke you up? Something that made you realize that this world wasn't what they were telling you in school? Maybe it wasn't that young. Maybe it was later in life when you had this awakening. But when did it really take place that you kind of realize like something's up? So I always have known there was something else, something more. And I was always looking for, you know, cause I was always, since I was a little kid looking into Bigfoot and UFOs and all that stuff and ghosts, you know, cause I always got those books in the library that you'd get the, the UFO time life, UFO books or whatever paranormal books. I have know. a couple of those on the shelf. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Those were awesome. Like great introductions to questioning your reality, you know? And I always wanted to question reality, but my situation, I got into, I got into technology and aerospace was like the industry that I got into. And I was pretty, I grew up very conservative and very right-leaning. I think maybe a rebellion against my liberal academia dad. You know, like he was, he and my grandfather were both superintendents and, and teachers and like all through my family, they were all teachers. So I was not, if I was going to do anything, it was not going to be a teacher, you know? And then later in life, I found out I was a good teacher, which sucked, but <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. Then I really liked it, but it's okay. We can do that. But I was in. I worked in aerospace. I got this, you know, good paying job that I thought, and it really did not turn out to how I thought it would be. What woke me up was I had witnessed in this job, cause I did stuff with drones for military contracting. And I would, I was witnessing, or I would watch part of my job was to watch drone things. It wasn't most of my job. It was a very small part of, of my job. I had to, I was told to learn this code and, you know, we're going to do a live troubleshooting. This was my job, right? So I did that. It was very seldom. It was maybe twice a month, maybe during the period of that job. But, and I can never figure out why they had me do it because it, it just, it started not to make sense. I was, the only problem I ever found was a gimbal loose once and it, it never would have made any difference. Anyway, it made me question why I was doing this job. I witnessed live while doing that a war crime, essentially. We had, our guys had blown up an ambulance 
and a Jordanian a journalist. And watching it live, we knew that they knew that what they were doing. They knew that they were hitting an ambulance. They knew that he was a journalist, but it didn't matter. These guys just blew the fuck out of this intersection, which we found out later on that there were civilians and children all over that plaza. And it was, it was horrific. About, I'm not sure how long apart it was. I, like there was a lot of questionable things about that job. And I don't remember a lot of it, but what popped me out was WikiLeaks posted that video of that event. And like, I'm like, holy crap, like this is because I was just dazed, you know, you don't get a chance to process your trauma because you just go back, got to go back to work. Yeah, it goes back to your other job and they do that to you. It's a this is how, this is how mind control works. People, they will, it's trauma and then, and then distraction, trauma and then distraction. This is what's happening in the media with the news and they traumatize you and then distract you and traumatize you. And then look over here, here's a piece of tinfoil otherwise, but while they, you're looking at Gabby Petito, you know, something else is happening because you're paying attention to Brian Laundrie. Right. Like Brian Laundry, come on. <laughs> like we're not reading into what we're taking in before we, we're not making decisions about what we take in are true or false. We're just taking it in. Yet our lives. This is what they do. They traumatize you and they distract you. And anyway. But WikiLeaks, that was, because I, I'd blown over 9-11. Like I knew there were, it was, it was traumatizing, but I just, you know, there was, I knew it didn't add up, but you know what? It's like, what do I know compared to, it wasn't, it wasn't exactly that. I never bought the story. I'm like, we're being lied to clearly. Right. But it wasn't until, cause I was already, already in the industry and already in that military contracting mindset, which is a cult. Once you're in it, like it is a cult just. So giving treated as a cult, giving maybe people who might be left in the dark, a little bit of more backstory, you know, what branch, and obviously we don't need you to go into any more specifics, but you know, when did, when did you start to notice? possible memory lapses because it's sounding to me like there were things that went on within that time period that you forgot and obviously there's this whole mind control scheduling the military you know you get broken down in boot camp and you know some people even say there's a satanic element to all that and not that we're you know a christian podcast or anything but you know when you consider that there are ex-military officials who say that they're also chaplains in the army and also church of satan priests it just makes you scratch your head like well what is what does this all mean but take us back you know how much can you fill us in on those the details on those times 
You know, I, I don't know. I am still, still figuring that out. Like tomorrow I am doing a regression therapy that hopefully, you know, I'll have something else to the story. I, I don't know, but I've kind of had to silo, you know, experiences that really get muddy in that, that time period for me. Like, cause there was a lot of spiritual stuff going on in my life at that time too. So it's really interesting. Chance mentioned that you have a magic. How much, like how much have you known magic in your life? Well, Chance, if you're listening, I appreciate the compliment, but I, you might be overestimating me, buddy. <laughs> magic, <laughs> I think I think there's uh there's definitely something to it, but I would I would say it's not something I can answer quickly. There's something to it for sure. I believe in it, but you know, the the less I try, the more it works. I guess that's why I can't explain it. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I think that's the way out of the control is you've got to, you've got to, like you, you're a very grounded feel to me. When we've talked before, like Mark's, Mark's a grounding. Like he's, he, you can feel he's like a got a, like a warm earthy feel, cue to you. You know, like because, like you've, everybody vibes at a different vibration, and I'm, the thing that's really helped me most of all of getting through any trauma or anything is grounding myself. I was in a really bad way in 2018. All that, all that trauma came to a head in 2018 when I, I didn't have a suicide attempt, but I was suicidal and I had to just give up and I didn't have to give up. I had to surrender and trust people that loved me to help me. I had to humble myself enough to say, fuck it. You know, I can't, I, I don't know what to do. So I was hospitalized. I went through five days of, of stabilization in a psych ward. After that, I knew that. Whatever happens after that, I knew I couldn't go on the way it was because I had been addicted to opiates and alcohol for the last 15 years since that trauma. Because I was getting uh, crippling migraines and I was a chronic pain patient. I had uh, a broken neck. And so that pain really, really started around that time. And then in 2014, I had been diagnosed with a brain tumor. And so the depression from 2014 to 2018 and the, those four years, my choices were brain surgery, because that's where they were going to go, or just keep getting sicker and sicker and sicker and, until you're brain just can't function anymore because I started having seizures at night and in my sleep. So I couldn't sleep and it was driving me quite literally insane, but I was never delusional. I never lost control enough that anybody other than my family knew anything was wrong. 
And that's where we're getting into, into danger is where we start covering up our trauma. We're, we act like it doesn't exist. And you isolate yourself and we don't talk about those things. Like shit piles up and it gets very dangerous at that point. So we need people to talk to about this stuff. I went through a lot of this stuff alone, pretty much, but I had to like, for me, this was, oh, my dog is whining. Stop. Don't worry about it. But oh, I'm not sure where to go for after that. <laughs> is, is that. Is that too heavy? I'm not sure how. No, no, no. The culture of your audience. I, I, I really want to let you keep going because I think this is resonating with me and I hope it resonates with people who might be feeling that same way, you know, and, and I don't want anyone to feel like they're alone, you know, especially yeah. listening to a podcast. Cause it is kind of an isolating thing and you could reach out, you know, say what's up to me. I'm always happy to chat. I can't promise I'll be your new friend, but there are people who can help if you are feeling isolated and, and yeah, don't ever hesitate to reach out, especially people listening who who might feel that way, but no, please keep going, man. This is, this is all welcome. Cool. Okay. So I essentially, I knew I had to get off of everything if I needed, if I could do anything in the world. Cause I'd had in that time from say 2006 to 2008, I had a lot of weird experiences and I'd had well, okay, I'm trying to shorten this down. I had memories of something being put in me, but I didn't know how or why or what. Like, those are those fuzzy memories, you know? So when you say feeling like something was being put in you, was it like what you've, we've heard people describe? with UFO experiences where you feel like you're in an examination room? Was it more subtle than that? Like you wake up and there's just something off about yourself. Cause I've woken up to like weird, like scratches on my body and be like, what the hell was I doing last night? You know, but never yeah. had anything quite that would make me think there was anything foreign in my body. But what, what did, what did those experiences feel like? It, that, that was just a suspicion. I, I didn't have any proof. I didn't have an actual memory of that. It was a suspicion. The memory I had was we had had very spiritually active, weird stuff in the house at the time. And it, and I would have thought I was crazy had it not been for my wife and daughter experiencing everything with me, you know? And, but it was a very weird time. But during that time, I had been, I had had a memory of waking, like a lot of, of, let me call it the hypnagogic state, right? Yeah. Like old hag syndrome kind of thing where you, you're like sleepwalking almost. Well, or sleep paralysis. Have, it was definitely sleep paralysis. So I was having sleep paralysis for a while and it had gone on and I remembered just shortly before, cause I started to gain back some of those memories by doing, learning some self-hypnosis, right? So some of those, and that's, I kind of think it's, a, I warn people against that. I did it, but 
finding stuff you don't that are tough to deal with alone is a dangerous thing i think it was very depressing place for me because you can't talk to anybody and then when i did talk to therapists you know they're they had no way to even relate so therapy was completely a joke right they don't they don't have a, a paranormal dialogue whatsoever so it, it, that's what you're referring to you mean like these yeah. sort of liminal outside of the normal mainstream accepted theories of reality type experiences yeah exactly right so i mean i don't blame them but ignoring you know that somebody comes to you and says hey there were i remember three dark figures in my bedroom and one laughed at me because i said if you're going to get me, you're going to have to go through the God inside me. And he laughed. And she doesn't know how, what to do with that. Right. Like, I mean, other than it's a hallucination. Right. But my wife witnessed those things too. So I know I, I know I wasn't delusional. But it almost seems manipulated that way, but like purposely so that, you know, you go to these people thinking you're going to find some sort of explanation and you really just find out that society at large is, is totally blind to a lot of these things. I experienced that myself in sociology class, thinking I was signing up for something completely different than what I got. And then I had a therapy session that was sort of like a post, it was like a work-related thing, post-breakup type thing. And, you know, I've always had a, a pretty deep relationship with cannabis. And, you know, the therapist was like, you know, not really understanding why I was getting high. Like, you know, like trying to explain to her that there was more to smoking weed than just feeling different, <laughs> you know, gave me a very similar feeling, albeit not that extreme. Uh, but yeah, very similar. I kind of became disillusioned with those psychiatry services, not to write off every psychiatrist or psychologist or even therapist. I'm sure there's plenty that do great work, but it is this, it does seem to feel like gaslighting almost in, in both of our cases. Yeah. yeah. It, it feels like that, doesn't it? Right. I mean, I had one lady call them gr little green men. Well, tell me about the little green men. I'm like, oh no, you're not implanting that shit on me. Right. I stopped that shit. Well, and it's even, I mean, obviously there's a little bit of condescending nature to that, which is like, exactly. what's your job exactly? Aren't you supposed to help us here? You know, but then there's that other angle, which some of our c conspiracy paranoid folks in the audience might've picked up on is like, what if they're actually planning things like that? And maybe they're not even really aware that they're participating in this, but in like a men in black sort of way, therapists work as like cover up crew for these weird experiences. Cause you know, you end up not being able to tell anybody about these things, hence the title of the show, you know, and, and you go to certain people who are quote unquote professionals and they end up isolating you even further. So yeah, I, I'm sure we can do a whole two hours on the ills of psychiatry and all the things that they've done wrong. But again, uh, no, it's not a sweeping statement by any means. I'm sure there's folks who are therapists who listen to the show. 
probably relate as well. <laughs> it's not an easy field to yeah. be in, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Well, it's like doctors. You know, I was, I was stuck in the medical system for years. And I was, when I got out of, so after, after the hospital, I went to rehab and got off everything. And it was, it was literal do or die. So I mean, do or have brain surgery and come pretty damn close if you hadn't already, you know? So I, I went to rehab. I did the 30 whole 30 day thing, but I knew after that 30 days, it was very, you know, AANA centered, which most rehabs are, which helps a lot of people. And that's wonderful. I can't stand that, like that, that structure, like it's very easy to, to blame it on something else and not still go through all 12 steps and still have that addictive behavior to it, you know, because AA becomes that new addiction for a lot of those people. That's her nerve there. I knew I couldn't do it, but some of those therapists that I'd met in there were very helpful and, and I think tried with what limited ability they had at the time. So I just knew that I kind of had to do it on my own. So when I came back, I still had a lot of uh, brain fog. I knew that thing was not clicking. Cause I used to think I was pretty, you know, I've done some crazy jobs without an education you know, a formal, you know, degree. And I've done a lot of pretty technical things. So I knew I wasn't an idiot. I knew I was pretty smart, but I needed to figure this one out because I was poisoning myself. My body was in terrible shape. I was 250 pounds. I was, I had a brain tumor. My, my brain was probably mushed. And I need to figure out how to build that back. So that was, that was primo. That's the only thing I was going to do. Got back home and I started a serious meditation, which led me to a relationship with some owls that I can go into later. But during that time, my wife had found that a ketogenic diet, a high fat diet is really good for rebuilding your brain. And they have, and they've known that it treats seizures since I think the thirties, maybe forties, but there are, there are studies that, that it's a ketogenic diet stops epilepsy, epileptic seizures in children. So I'm like, oh, that's right. I had heard years before on Richard Serrett's podcast, a Canadian doctor talking about how your brain is made of fats and cholesterols and you need fat. A low fat diet makes you stupid and it makes your brain weak and you can still, and that doesn't, people think that's like eggs and mayonnaise or, and, and and red meat. That's not the case. You can still, you can actually be a vegan on a high fat diet. It doesn't have to be meat, but at any rate, I got into bone broths and, and we started ordering meat from a local rancher and 
I went hardcore. I went zero carb for several months. I went high fat, adding butter into everything, grass fed, good butter. And within three months, I lost a lot of weight and my brain started working again. And I was meditating in the mornings at this tree and at this tree, well, I would go and meditate before work. There were, you know, I would feel like there was something watching me in the first, just the first couple of days even of doing this. And there were owls in this tree and they were watching me while I was meditating and, and they're pretty close. And if you, if you know a, what a great horned owl is like, it's a terrifying bird. It's a raptor with sharp claws that are like two inches long that could scalp a person. It has been known to scalp somebody I know. Yeah. Some people have died from owl attacks. Right. Exactly. And these things are like, like eight, 10 feet above me in this tree as I'm meditating and they're just watching me and I'm like, okay, who man, if I can get, if I can meditate while these things are watching me, I'm going to have, I'm thinking this is, this is a good challenge, right? So it did. It made me ground hard, like just surrender to the meditation and just get your chi as clean and, and hot as possible. And they were, they were immediately receptive. Like they maybe a week or so they were, it was like, no big deal. Okay. Hey, good morning. You know, every time I come around, Hey, what's up when, and then after a few months, anybody else that would come around the tree, they would clack and, and warn them to not come around our tree, except for me. <laughs> so you assimilated with them. Yeah. And they've kind of accepted me. I've since that time, I've watched them have two clutches of babies in the first two years and they allowed me around the babies and I have fantastic pictures and video of them. If you go on my Instagram, it's Gordy underscore TWO underscore shoes is my Instagram. And I've got tons of owls. If you want more owls, I have thousands of owl pictures if you want, but that really taught me so much. It was invaluable to get that kind of interaction with the natural world that is probably out there for everybody. Like, do you know legs from FRC? Podcast. Yeah. yeah they've yeah. you've done a swap cast. Right. Oh, right. Of course. So she has the same kind of, she's getting this relationship with Hawks now kind of doing that. And, you know, when you connect with the natural world, you have a very, it shows you a very different world. Right. So anyway, since, since that time I started with them, I lost 90 pounds. I was 250 pounds when I, when I went into rehab and I am 160, it's taken three years, but I don't have the seizures at night. I haven't had one in 
years, I'm, I'm a little jumpy sometimes because what I found about doing that keto diet is that I particularly am very sensitive to wheat. So I cut out wheat, sugar, and soy completely. I don't do those. Those are no-nos in my system. And that's what I found by doing an elimination diet because everybody's system is different. You know, yours is B, you know, whatever your genetic background is, you know, has a lot to do with it, I think. Well, I will say on the point of the keto stuff, I, you know, I worked at Whole Foods, one of my, probably like the fourth or fifth job I had after dropping out of high or not high school, college. <laughs> and, and anyways, so I got really fascinated with all that stuff and I became somewhat of a vegan. And honestly, I'm not putting down veganism because I respect vegans who do it right. I wasn't doing it right. I was in somewhat of a fog, really a fog. And when I was delivering, and I've talked about this a bunch on the show because I was a delivery guy before I did this, and that was a huge reason why I got into podcasting, listening to podcasts seven, eight hours a day, and seeing a lot of red-tailed hawks in certain places. So me and legs have that in common as well. But it was really noticeable doing a job, a physically demanding job like that, that I was not eating the way I should. And, you know, given I smoke a lot, you know, that might factor into it. I smoke a lot of weed. I don't smoke cigarettes, but I do smoke tobacco with my weed. So that I have to take that into account. So I tried to, you know, compensate for that and eat as healthy as I could. And what I noticed is the fattier I ate, the more fat foods I ate. And I'm not talking like, you know, fried foods. I'm talking, yeah, like I, I like Icelandic yogurt is a big one for me. And there was these like peanut butter bars that I would get, you know, things that I could eat in my truck, you know, and, and yeah, it completely, completely changed the way I looked at food and I even started working on uh, a farm, funny enough, sometime after I stopped delivering for Amazon and I was working on a dairy farm. They were growing all sorts of other things, but mainly they had some big cows and, and I helped milk them and I was drinking raw milk and raw butter and my meals and all that. And that was, you know around the time that I got into podcasting is as, as you know, this is more of a mentally demanding type of thing. You know, you got to be able to talk multiple hours a week about a variety of subjects and, and it's, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, ask my girlfriend, I probably eat like, I don't know how many tons of yogurt, but it's all Icelandic yogurt for me. I, that's my favorite fat source. I don't know if that's the best, but lately that's been a big one and cheese. I love cheese. I don't know if I'm doing it the right way, but I'm definitely a keto uh, dabbler. <laughs> dabbler. Well, I kind of dabble too. Uh, you know, what I eat is pretty paleo-y now because, you know, I do carbs and potatoes sometimes, but not a lot, but I, I will always add, I'll always add more butter. You can't have... <laughs> You can't have enough butter, in my opinion. But, you know, learning how to cook for yourself is, has become also a very meditative state for me. Because when I came back, I'm kind of, I needed, I needed to attach myself to some things, right? 
and I couldn't spend all every hour with the owls out there, although I probably would have maybe now, but I'm like, okay, dude, make, make cooking your, your hobby, make fixing yourself your hobby. You know, this is what you do now is fix yourself. So I'm all in. So I learned kind of, okay, this is good for me. This is good for me. You know, that's these eat a lot of vegetables and, and fatty meats and stick lots of, use lots of bone, bone broths and things like that. So I have had to figure out what I liked of those things and kind of make whatever recipes that I saw and make my own recipes that way so that, you know, I, my brain would start working again. So I started doing the butter in my coffee, the bulletproof kind of thing, you know, with turmeric and ginger and, and butter in my coffee. And that started becoming a great ritual in the morning. Like it got me in a rhythm because, you know, we are creatures of habit. So those patterns, you kind of need those when you're, when you're getting off of something, right? Getting out of something. Well, and even when we're in a, a bad pattern or having, you know, things go on in our lives that we need to correct seems like the owl for you and for me was an indicator towards maybe this other reality. Cause I'll, I'll just share this. I was saying before we got started here that almost, I think exactly a year ago today, cause you can see the date when you take a picture with your camera. Right. So I was going back last week and I was looking, seeing when I had this owl encounter and it was a strange encounter. And it was at a time in my life where, you know, I hadn't uh, met Tara. I'd met Tara, but I hadn't, we hadn't dated yet. So I was single and just kind of driving around and really feeling like the podcast had no inspiration for whatever reason, even though that sounds silly now that I'm saying it, but I was only like five or six episodes in back then. So I was really wasn't sure what I was going to do with the show. And I drove up to a place that's like the most remote place I've found in Connecticut along Bark Hampstead Reservoir and, you know, come to find out all kinds of interesting things about it in hindsight. But I had this owl encounter there, unlike any I have ever had, walking down the path, trying to be as quiet as possible, snow on the ground, nice and cold. Nobody else was parked in the parking lot. My favorite way to hike, you know, you know, you're pretty much, it's just you out there. And I go down this trail and I'm going real quiet, meditating as I'm walking, uh, because ceremony ritual, as you put very important. And this is kind of one of my ceremonies. Whenever I go, would go in the forest back then I would, you know, be as quiet as I could and, and be as observant as I could. And I happened upon this owl five, eight feet off the trail, eye level on a branch. And I just stared at it for right. oh. 10, 15 minutes. I'm talking like long enough to where you, know, you ever stare at something so long, you start to like blur your vision gets blurred. Like I was leaning into the blur. Like I was like, okay, this is how I open up another dimension. Like just keep staring, you know, between the lines. Yeah. I'm going to look between the spaces and see what's right. What's hiding. I'm telling you, there was like a whole, like, like a fractal there, man. Like, and I'm not just saying that to be hyperbolic. (laughs) Like there was, there was something there like staring into its eyes. 
And it was one of those things where it was like savor the moment while it lasts. But eventually I broke out of it and I did the, I went to my modern man instincts and took a picture of it, which is, you know, probably not the best idea. Who knows? Maybe if I didn't have my phone on me at all, I would have like gotten abducted by a spaceship or something. But, you know, I, I have <laughs> That's the a thing. Let's come back to that. Right. Well, and I know we will, which is why I mentioned it. But, you know, when it comes to the, the, picture i was able to you know get the picture really beautiful i'll definitely put it in the show notes for this episode but thanks to modern technology i know it was exactly a year to today ago so that adds another level of synchronicity to it but i wonder what the owl represents is like a turning point energy because ever since you know that time 2021 was a big year for for my show particularly and for me you know changing my life in a big way it is owl is about okay so let me let let me go here so after i'd come out and i started posting like i started posting shit tons of those owl pictures all over the place my facebook wherever and i was sharing them in i was in the lindsey sherman's eyes open group on facebook i'd known lindsey for a few years before shit went bad so i knew that i could talk to her but so we had shared some stuff, but she had started the eyes open group and I was sharing some of those pictures in wildlife groups and in there. So I wasn't sure, you know, you know, when chat rooms kind of like blind together, you don't know who you're talking to. Oh, who was that that said, you know, something about Epstein's mom, you know? Yeah. So I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, I totally did. And they're so all so good right now, like yours and chances and the spiders and rogue and project chainies is lit man those people are great but like you know stuff blurs so i didn't know who said this to me but they had said after i posted all these owl pictures they were like hey have you gone in through some sort of trauma recently and like why you know because first thing you're going is why and they're like, well, you know, and they went through the owl medicine totem, right? Which is the owl represents rebirth and the mystic and breaking down of illusions and, you know, finding self it's transition. Right. And like, wow, that's, that's heavy. So I'm assuming it's Lindsay, of course. And I go back and it's not there. And it, I couldn't find it in the road thing. So I go to the, the, oh, but anyway, at the end of this, this conversation, this person goes, you think maybe you're going through a shamanic initiation? And I'm like, what? That's, that's why I'm like, I have to find this. And so like, I, I don't know who this person is. And I still, to this day, have no idea what happened to that. But I know I saw it because I went down that rabbit hole. I was like, what is shamanic in- initiation? Google. Now, yeah. you're, you're touching on a lot of things for me because, and I've talked about this a bunch on the show, my first, I would say, spiritual etheric mentor ever, Amos, who I met in New Haven, Connecticut in a public park. He's a homeless dude, taught me a bunch of stuff about Native American 
culture and you know i was always so fascinated with that portion of culture particularly because it had been so you know stamped out and erased but also because of that magical essence you know getting in the smoking pot and whatnot and one of the things that he mentioned when we were becoming friends was this thing about the red-tailed hawk and he didn't really tell me the whole scoop but he he pointed out a red-tailed hawk once and he said that feathers were significant now i don't know how many weeks or months later this happened but you know amos and i like i said we met in a park and he was homeless he didn't have a phone so we would just kind of run into each other you know over the year and a half period that i was really in touch with him and Sometime after that, him telling me about this feather magic, right? I find a red-tailed hawk feather as I'm meditating in my backyard and it landed, you know, and this is in the same spot where I've seen owls too, which is an interesting point. I've never really connected until now, but you know, I've always talked about this feather experience because it was just so magical the way the feather was floating on the grass, like it hadn't touched the ground. You know, it was like literally being held up by this like tall grass. And I just looked after kind of going into almost a whiteout, not a blackout, but like white light and not being able to see and then seeing it right there, grabbing it and telling Amos about it. And he was like, yeah, brother, that's a good sign. He was like, I prayed about you. And he's like, you're not the only friend of mine who found a feather recently. And that was like my first kind of real experience of synchronicity now that I look back on it. But it's interesting how birds are this really deep symbol, not just for people experience this kind of stuff, but particularly us in the podcasting community, because what are we doing? We're communicating over the airwaves, you know, the flight of our words. That's what the feather magic was all about. You have a feather and it's a tool. It carries your words up to the creator. That's, you know, Amos's words, not mine. And I've always believed that and felt that and found feathers since and kind of taken them and, and put them in places, kept their, kept them special and taken care of them. So, so yeah, I think there's something to it on the point of owls though. Yeah. Other than that one experience, I had a couple others, but being a delivery guy, you're in a lot of places. And I was, I was always begging my boss to put me in the farm towns and, and like the rural areas when I was a delivery guy. So I saw more than just that one owl. There was a couple owl experiences in that same time, but none as striking as that, like looking him in the eyes. But I mean, still doesn't compare nearly to becoming the owl father over there. I, I love that. And I definitely want to go over to Instagram and see the, the images. But what else did you learn? Is there anything more? Because I know, you know, someone, Mike Cleland, who I've had on Sam's spiritual podcast, Zero, he talks a lot about the crazy synchronicities and weird alien experiences connecting to owls. And you did kind of point that out earlier. Is there anything that connects you to this, you know, UFO experience? Is there some kind of UFO experience that you've had in conjunction with the owls? What's the scoop with that? So that's the other thing I want to, I, I want to find out with the regression, but I, I don't know. That's not what. That's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it to fix me. You know, I think that'd be fun. I don't know, <laughs> but I Agreed. have had, I have had UFO experiences. I mean, I, I saw, I've seen a lot. I mean, I live in Southern Arizona. 
you can't swing a dead cat without hitting somebody that has a UFO experience. I mean, how south? I, I am south and east of Tucson. Okay. So I am, I am not too far from the Mexico border, but far enough that you know, I don't have people running through my yard or anything. But, okay. Well, um, I, I only ask because I am a fan of uh, Doug Stanhope, who's down there in Bisbee, Arizona, yeah. comedian Doug yeah. Stanhope. Yeah. I uh, love, and I love Bisbee too. It's the weirdest town. My wife and I go like whenever we can because it has the weirdest vibe. And I've totally had ghost experiences at, at the hotel there. Really? Okay, yeah. well, let's not get too sidetracked with the I mean, ghost track. That, yeah, <laughs> that's something completely different. But I mean, it's fun to talk about. So you're in a weird place. We've had we've had Corey Daniels on the show breaking down the strange enigma that is Phoenix. You're south of Tucson. Undoubtedly, gonna say you're probably in a more desert kind of area, right? Which is just seems like the environment for UFOs. For some reason, they really love deserts. Yeah. Well, the 33rd parallel runs, <clears throat> runs here too. And so through Phoenix, I mean, we, I actually, I think it's right between somebody's checking out, but Gabriel get on that buddy. Uh, he is listening. Shout out to Gabriel. He's in the live telegram. Shout out to you, brother. <laughs> I love that dude. Dude. I am so grateful. I have like the spiders as my buddies because they're the smartest dudes. I know like I love bouncing. And, you know, it's become, if you haven't, if you haven't watched Weaving Spiders Welcome, do it, please. Like, it's a really fun thing. Like, because it, it, what we do there is, I don't, it's different. It's not, you're not going to get a lecture. You're not going to get somebody, you might get a presentation of some sort, but it's going to be, it's always going to be a conversation. And you never know what it's going to be, but it always comes full circle. Like no matter what the synchros that happen in those conversations with Gabriel, with Alan Marcus, who is an amazing host. Like that dude brings in stuff. Like I have. I, I call Alan in my own little mind of like how I describe things and remember things like Alan Marcus. He reminds me of like a, like a sniper the way he comes on weaving spiders web because his camera his camera will be off and then he'll just like boom camera on and he's got something loaded and ready to go fire away and yeah that's fun i can't say i've been there to complete the full circle because you guys go so long that i probably have to go back and see what i missed uh because i don't think i maybe the first time i stayed till the end but there was one time where we had a spider fall asleep and and i took i took that as my uh cue to to leave shortly after because i didn't want to fall asleep on the live on youtube as well but shout out to paul we appreciate you yeah. Love you, brother. Paul. Hope he's listening to the show. I, he did reach out and say he liked the show. So shout out to Paul. But back to the, the UFO contactees, I, I do want to give you a proper chance at the end to give people a little bit of a, you know, description of weaving spiders. But that was great. I mean, I definitely, again, second what you just said. Folks, go check it out. It's a fun show. Reminds me of the the idiocalypse days when I started and Cheney would have these big, huge, like five, four hour podcasts. So yeah, definitely appreciated. Exactly. But that, that's what inspired me to want to do this kind of thing. Cause 
I was, I was watching Idiocalypse back then too. Well, it was, it's, it's, it's the, the way that this thing has really like come together, you know, for me, I mean, I can't not talk about synchronicity. It's, it's just such a theme, but you know, it all goes back to the Grimerica show for me, kind of, that's where the idea of synchronicity first dawned on me in that way. And another cool fact. The Great America show was there with Cheney one night when I was there. So that was like my first time podcasting with them, which was sick. So very cool stuff. I actually just had Darren on the show last night. But to go back to what we were thinking about, I got the map up and the 33rd degree of parallel does go through a Phoenix. It also goes through Dallas, Atlantis, or Atlantis. It probably did go through Atlantis, Atlanta, <laughs> and Los Angeles. Yeah. So, I mean, there's something to that, that whole, and Arizona is a weird place. Arizona, Utah, this whole corridor is full of portals and weird stuff. I don't, I mean, I say portals, I don't know that that's it. It's just, it's a weird place where, you know, maybe the veil is thin. I don't know. I don't know what that, what that is, but okay, here's a crazy experience. Speaking of something coming through, our friend Lori Wentz was asking if anybody had cryptid experience, a lot of cryptid experiences lately. And the weirdest thing happened to me last week that I was driving to just get lunch or something on a Sunday. And I saw a giant, like three, four foot, maybe looked like the size of a turkey, but it was a roadrunner. And like, I had to stop and cause my, my wife had seen this thing years before, maybe like 10 years before that, but she's from New Hampshire. She doesn't know, you know, from the desert fauna really. Cause she was like, huh, that's a really big road runner. And I had come home from work one day and she's like, Hey, how do, how big do road runners get? Cause I saw this thing in the backyard. It was like four feet. That's not a rotor. That's whatever that was, wasn't a rotor. And then now, 10 years later, I see it running across the road. It was, the, it was really super fast. So, so it took like three strides to get through a two lane over a two lane road. It's just, and then back disappeared into the desert, like everything does. But I, I don't know if any, I want to put that out there. Is anybody else seeing like, big animals or weird animals because well road runners they say they can be up to two feet tall so yeah this would definitely fit the bill for a strange animal i mean the pictures i'm seeing of road runners they don't look much larger than like a rabbit or so but yeah wow i mean that's pretty that's pretty wild i don't doubt it i've heard a lot of strange things i don't know if you're too far i mean this might be further south deeper into mexico but have you ever heard of the zone of silence in mexico mm -hmm. yeah they say that there's some weird animals or cryptids rather that are said to have been born there after whatever radioactive energy was created there some people say that that was maybe a possible secondary test site for some of the you know military's nuclear experiments but there's also some ancient lore or folklore about the area that 
would make you think maybe this place just has something radioactive naturally to it. It's not that far-fetched when you know a thing or two about chemistry. We were talking about this on my, one of my sideshows, the Elemental Philosophorum. We cover different elements on the periodic table of elements, and we talked about lithium and how there are these like salt beds, like ancient lake beds, and they all, they'll have like a high concentration of lithium. Now, I don't know how react radioactive lithium is, but with that logic, if there are radioactive materials, you know, bubbling up from the ground in some faraway desert in Mexico, and then a roadrunner runs into it, maybe, <laughs> maybe it morphs. Who knows? I mean, I've always thought the X-Men was more than fiction. I, I think I even... We got into that on Chance's Vibrant show last week, and ever since I've been like, you know what? I gotta get back into the X Men because that's that's get really back dope. Into X Men, yes. Read if you can find it. God loves man kills. I think it's a Chris Claremont story, but it was a graphic novel. Okay, it was a fantastic story, and I haven't read it for years. But I I usually like buy it for somebody and then give it away because I just loved it so much. But that's the thing I loved about X-Men is that anybody could be a mutant. Like, right. That's what I loved about Marvel was that anybody could be a superhero. It's a good Peter Parker nerd, you know, can be a superhero. You know, it gives you hope as a kid. Like, dude, what if I, you know, and those kind of things, because I was a huge comic kid. Like, that was my bag. I, I never actually stopped wearing Marvel shirts since I was like six. You know, like since my, my first Hulk shirt. But it always gave me hope for, for human, human potential. You know, it was always those, those, and those are our new myths. Like, we had, like the Greeks had their, their gods. Have you ever interviewed Christopher Knowles? Yeah, way back in the day, episode 14. So, it's all coming back together because you were there on last week's episode of Vibrant with me. I'm like, as I said that, I'm like, wait, why am I telling him that? He was there. <laughs> we we kind of got into it a little bit before you jumped on as a caller, but then we, we got right back into it. But yeah, yeah, Chris Knowles has been on the show way back when, and uh, fingers crossed, maybe he'll be back on the show sometime soon. He's, he's working on some new stuff, and I'm... Uh, member of his Patreon, and there's some really cool stuff he's been posting there lately, particularly for us rookie synchro mystics. It's always good to have a pro like him to help sort things out. Yeah, see, I, I got into, I read Our Gods Wear Spandex years ago when it first came out, and he, I really dug his idea that this is, these are our new mythologies. Like, these are these are what are stretching our, our idea of capability of human potential. Like, cause we used to see that as a tech thing. Like we are like the Jetsons. Like, we were going to use technology to become advanced. Right. Jetsons or Star Trek, like Star Trek influenced most every digital thing we have. Right. I mean, we wouldn't have cell phones if it wasn't for some nerd trying to recreate what was it the communicator telecommunicator what oh I can't man i should know i have one actually i have like a fake one because i got into the original series what are they called ah yeah i know what you're talking the about. the tricorder 
Yeah, that's what it is—a tricorder yeah. device. Well, I think I think that's that's a more that's like the gun they had. There was something else. There was like well, no, that was the that was the Spock thing, the Spock science right. tool, general science tool. Yeah, I'm gonna look it up. But yes, I see what you're saying. They use sci-fi to kind of boost up the industrial age, so to speak. I think it's it's just called a communicator. Yeah, maybe that's why it's it's just it's a very simple, simple name. But uh, yeah. Marvel um, and and Star Wars had this thing where, like the spiritual side, where you could dig into, you know, whatever philosophy and see what's there. Like Doctor Strange opened me up to a lot of things, right? When I was a kid, and Silver Surfer, and those guys that wrote these very cosmic, you know, ideas, and it was. It's interesting to find out later, like through Chris and other, other uh, comic writer, comic book guys that write the history of comic books, you know, and I've read probably too many of those books already, but those guys were all mystics. Those guys were all Gnostics and, and they were all into ancient mythologies and, right. and trying to find the or origins of man kind of well, guys, but they, but magic was a real thing. Right. Magic was a reality of them. Like it, this is how we have to come back to is that, you know what? Okay. Magic is a real thing. Respect it, but you can heal yourself with it. If you will. And even further. Picture. So it's become so, I mean, merged, I think with high technology in a certain degree that, you know, what people regard as high tech would be regarded as magic maybe 500 years ago, but that's not to say, you know, that it's still not touching on something magical or universal, you know, and I'm wondering, well, go ahead. It's a, it's a synthetic version of mm, the magic, it's right. a fake version of the magic magic. And this word synthetic is, I think, I think Gabe dig into that one too, um, please. I, this is, I, I love that dude. Cause he, I just send him on little things. Well, one that he it's, threw out he's brilliant recently that, that was really cool was, uh, Yakim and Boaz. And then you take it and put it on the, on the United States map, I guess, flipped and it's Bohemian Grove and Jekyll Island, right on both sides, like the two pillars, but a total tangent, which full of tangents the the shout best kind of tangents shout out to slick episode 102 go back and listen to that he's also joined us on a couple extended outros but yeah back to i mean i i gotta imagine given what you're up to in the aeronautics field you know reading those x-men comic books when you're a kid i did that inspire you getting into that? Did you notice, obviously you must've noticed things that were like, oh, this is, this is like what I saw in the comic books, or is that just, uh, my well, imagination? I saw in the comic books because the X-Men's plane was the SR-71 and I ended up working around, not that plane, but in aerospace where I saw, you know, a lot more advanced stuff than that thing. Right. Which was like seeing magic. It was amazing which is really what sucks you in, man. I get why people are digging those VR go goggles because it's a whole different world you didn't know about, right? And that's, 
that's tempting, but it's fake. It's not real. The real stuff comes from source. All of these little tech devices and things that, that, yeah, this is, I'm, I'm grateful that I can have Bluetooth headphones when I need them, but I try to keep them out of my head, you know, as much as I can, because one of the things that I've found out trying to go this kind of opposite tech version thing is helping the owls. So the owls last year, last November, November before this last November, they erected a 5G tower, just a few, maybe, I don't know, a, a good ways, but near the owl tree, right? And in the next few months, they, they did not have babies that last year. I noticed that. Then they left. They just left. I thought they were gone for good. And so I kept going out meditating, you know, I'm here, I'm here, please come back, you know, and that wasn't doing anything because I felt like we had this connection. I'm like, there's some, they're telling me there's something I need to do. And which is, which was interesting because maybe two years before this, that early on, Lindsay had had Catherine O'Shea on her show and she read my owls and we did this thing. She's like, you know, protect, talking about protecting them. And we really connected because she, what the owls, she said the owls told her was everything that had happened in the next couple of days after she had said that. So what she said was that they were going to be breaking the ground and there's water under it and all these things that like ticked a whole bunch of boxes that happened just a day or two after we had talked. So I'm like, okay, I'm all in. I need to go back and listen to every single syllable she said, right? So I got this idea and I hear Mitch on Lindsay on roadways talking about organite and doing the earth pipes, right? So I'm like, huh? So I get in contact. So Chance gets me in contact with Mitch because he had him on again. I'm like, I, I got to get, I got to talk to that dude. So he sends me a bunch of earth pipes and I gift what is called gifting. If you want to know what that is, you know, talk to Mitch, the orgone donor, shout out to that dude. He is doing God's work. Shout out to Mitch. I sent you an email. Get back to me, brother. Let's have you on the show. Maybe you could reach out to him, but yes, chance put me in touch with him. I'm just waiting to hear back from him. Hopefully we'll have him on the show. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a good dude and he knows what he's talking about. And he, he's does it from the heart for, he, he has the right motivation is what I'm saying. And I appreciate that about that dude. He doesn't ask for money from anybody, but he, he's, his mission is to put these all over Southern Arizona. And because of that, we've had the, the best monsoons we've had in years. I'm saying because of that, you know, well, you know, it's funny you say that because I'm, I'm not, I'm not opposed to that at all. I definitely try to like practice a little bit of skepticism because I know the listeners might come to this show with more skepticism than I have, but you're not the first guest to talk about that. 
Peter Shampoo, one of my favorite guests we've had on in the past couple episodes, uh, episode 108. He talked about right now how he's trying to reactivate a seven-pillared sky temple in Arizona to water the West. So, and I know he's aware of Organite and he's doing a lot of stuff with earth rings and really interesting stuff. This is live for only a couple of people, so I'll give it away. But he was just on Tinfall Hat this afternoon, so that episode will be coming out soon. But go back and listen to my episode with Peter. And, and yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I think needs to happen. I've never been that far West, but from what I've heard, you guys are pretty dry out there. Yeah. It's, you're in New Hampshire, right? Too? No, New England, Connecticut. Okay. Connecticut. Okay. I mean, New England is kind of a state to me. <laughs> Compared state. to Arizona. Yeah. We might as well be a County for you. <laughs> yeah. When I'm back there, it's like, we went through four States already with in like, We've been driving for 20 minutes, <laughs> you know? So anyway, the organ, I, I put the organ, I gifted that tower on a Friday. On a Monday, my owls were back. So I'm just saying, try it. You know, I'm not telling you that they're, I'm just, you know, putting it out there. It works for me. You know, if you're skeptical of something, try it before you, you know, poo-poo anything. If you're saying, because a lot of people say that about the high-fat diet. They're like, oh, well, make so I have Organite. I've used this Organite for, I don't know, almost 10 years now. I've had this piece of Organite. And I've actually been to Rangeley, Maine, where William Reich ended up, like, leaving a lot of his stuff after he passed away i think that was like one of his the last places he lived i just ended up there for family kind of gathering my cousin kyle's wedding but yeah organ organite is definitely close to home for me i don't know how much it's cleared my environment up but i've been pretty healthy since i got it i'll say yeah i mean you know what i don't know but how, I, I don't understand how it works. I don't necessarily have to. And that's one of the things that I've kind of come to that really helps me be open to anything and everything is just, you know, be okay with the mystery of, the, of life. You know, you're not going to find all the answers. So, you know, get comfortable in that space because Reality is way weirder than what we're told. It's way, I'm not weirder. It's very different than what we are described right. as a child. We're, it's very different from what we're taught in school or what our parents tell us they understand. Right. It's a, now, I am very blessed that I had a father-in-law that introduced me to a lot of this, this mystical stuff. In fact, I found recently that I have all these books in it. I mean, I knew these books were there, but I'd never gone through them and like really gone through them until very recently. And, and my wife's like, oh yeah, that, like for years, she's like, oh yeah, my dad had a bunch of books like that out there. And I'm having a blast going through all these weird, cause he has all these different copies of 
Kabbalist tarot and, and the Kabbalah, Kabbalistic astrology and things like this. And, and just interesting concepts. I'd never even, you know, and what I know of astrology is nothing. I know my sign. I know what my wife tells me. I know what chance. But you, you mentioned, is this your, is this your dad? You, you said, or your father-in-law, which my father-in-law. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cause I was going to say, you mentioned earlier that you're, was a teacher, right? So I was going to mm -hmm. ask what he taught, but a uh, different person, but science. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I have to ask, you know, I mean, this is maybe a broad question. Typically we ask every guest, does your family think you're crazy? I don't know. You kind of answered it in some ways, but what do you think? <laughs> well, yeah, my extended family. Absolutely. <laughs> My wife and daughter are like, eh, it's dad, <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's tough. You know, I left you that, that message on purpose. I think that, well, there is no such thing as coincidence about the illusions. It was just what I was thinking at the time when I left that, right. That message, but it's about illusions and dropping your illusions. And this is what Owl teaches us is that you're, whatever you think about yourself, you're probably wrong. Like whatever you think is your reality, you know, start from scratch. Like assume everything you know is wrong and rebuild that. Like from, from your faith to what you were taught in school to relationships, because you may have some bad shit associated with some relationships that probably maybe something you made up or maybe you blew out of proportion yourself. So, you know, examining all of those different aspects of your life and figuring out what your, I'm 50. I didn't smoke pot until I was 48. So you could tell I was probably kind of a tight ass. <laughs> <laughs> it was very, I was a very angry man. We just say that, but getting clean and, and opening up to things like that have expanded, but being honest with yourself about each one of those aspects as much as you can. Like, I'm sure there's things that, you know, I am missing about myself. I'm constantly trying, trying. You know, I don't always succeed to, you know, it, I'm a very stubborn man. I'm a Taurus, very earth, very much, you know, stubborn, but change is not only possible, but transmutation is possible and alchemy is real. Your personal alchemy is a real thing and we all should strive to be a more connected person, not only to the earth and the relationship we have with it, but with each other as well in an authentic way. Not, I mean, I am grateful for this technology that you and I can talk, but because, you know, we are connecting in an organic way. This is an organic thing that we are putting into whatever that fake space is, you know, cause this, you know, the internet is fake space. It's not. It's real because we say it's real. It's because we're interacting with it, right? It's what we're perceiving to be real.
our interaction, even though I know you're on the other side of the country, is real. Absolutely. When we have conversations like this, this is a real thing that we are putting organically back into the, the machine because it's got to learn. It's got to learn love. We have to, we have to put the intention of love for our fellow man back into this thing because it's going to kill us if we don't. Powerful. Yeah, man. I mean, a lot of what you said is, is really touching me and I appreciate you saying that. And I, you know, I wonder, you know, where this is going to turn in 2022, you know, because it does feel like your experience, I don't know if cannabis was a big moment for you in your life, but doing that, you know, at 48 years old, you said you're 50, that was two years ago, 2020, you know, I, it, to me, when you said that, I'm like, wow, like, think about that. And I don't want to make it all about cannabis, but there is a certain aspect of this Aquarian age that we're in where people are becoming enlightened, you know, and I just talking about it on a podcast I was doing with Dave from Generation Z that I mentioned earlier. And, and yeah, you know, it's just, I wonder how much that played into like this kind of past few years for you and like seeking out this spiritual information. Was that at all a part of it? Or was that just something you tried because you're like, yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> no, it's definitely been part of it. And, you know, because I try to get the real flower now and, and make it be an intentional, right. I've started to do it as kind of a, a ceremonial thing and go walk, uh, out in the desert during the full moons. And it's been very, it's been amazing. It's hard to describe yet because it's still kind of a new thing, you know, but, right but you feel a connection to the earth. And boy, here's the coolest thing is my owls will follow me the whole way. I will walk five, six, seven miles out through the desert and they will follow me the whole way. And I documented it last night on the uh, Weaving Spiders welcome telegram channel because you can hear them. I, I put a whole bunch of audio clips that were straight from, you know how on telegram you can just do an audio Right. Recording, you know, to everybody. Yeah. And there's, I put probably a dozen of them in there because they would, they were just following me and I would walk a little bit and then they were, and I'd record a little bit and you'd hear them back and forth, the male and the female. I think you're, I think you're, you're connecting to some sort of portal through these owls, Gordy. I don't know. Like even before when we were talking and I was like, just listening and really concentrating. Sorry about the bump there, folks. My got these jumpy legs right now, but I got this like owl vibe, you know, I almost wanted to make a joke about it, but there is this like owl vibe and I don't know, maybe chance is right. Maybe there is a little magic in me, but when you do get a spirit animal name, I'm going to cross my fingers and hope that it's an owl because <laughs> you're definitely a part of the community, brother. But yeah, man, there's something to that. I don't know. I mean, maybe it unites us all. I will say kind of on one note, I got this artwork from an artist that eventually became the logo for the show. 
and there was an owl on the cover. And I'm like, you know, that's like Bohemian Grove. I don't put that on there. Put a raven instead, because that's more my vibe. I like ravens. I like red-tailed hawks, you know. And I figured a raven would be more mystical occult than a red-tailed hawk. So we went with that. And then I had another person hear me say I needed some art for the show, sent me some art. There's an owl in the design again. And I'm like, what is going on with this owl coming up in these artists who are thinking about my show? You know, because that's a really personal thing when somebody goes and especially to the level that this person uh, went, you know, they put a lot of really good work into this piece. And there's an owl in it. It's kind of like a rough draft. He's kind of showing me like, hey, what do you think? And I'm like, Mm, I don't know, lose the owl. But now when I have this conversation, I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe there was a reason why that owl kept poking through. But yeah, man. But maybe I, that owl was just for you to see it. Exactly. Well, and now, I mean, that's the truth because I don't think he's going to use the owl. I, I like the I like the raven. We're sticking with the raven. I'm not wearing my coat right now, but I have a blue coat that I always wear and it has a raven on it. So I don't know. It's, it's a little little bit of a personal, I don't know, patois, I guess. <laughs> so talking about your, your looking into the eyes of that owl. Mm. Yes. Just yesterday, yesterday morning, I was able to get the relationship I have with those mated pair. One is named Gwen and the, the female's named Gwen and the male's named Peter. And I've always been closer to Gwen. Like she's the mother. She's the, she's a super badass. She's bigger than the than the male and she's always the protector but she's always the one so she's always the one watching first and he's kind of the hunter and so she defends the tree and he goes and brings back the grub and i've always been closer to her but yesterday and i've always been trying to like slowly let him get closer to me you know and kind of imitate their countenance. You know, when I'm, when I'm meditating, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go into get the countenance of the owl and just relax into it. Just however they are, I want whatever that is kind of vibe. And yesterday I was within four feet of Peter, which he'd never been close to me very much. And now there were some branches between us, but we stared into each other's for like a long time. And I sat with him for 20, 30 minutes, maybe. No, that's probably, that's probably being generous. 15, 20, a long time for a, a wild animal to sit with a human being looking in its eyes and really having a connection. Like that's, that's not something I'm, this is a sacred relationship right. to me. Right. And though those symbologies that they've used have been bastardized so much of making it, making these symbols scary or, or, you know, associated with the dark and like that whole Bohemian Grove care bullshit. That's just a symbol of bullshit. And we can't give it that attention anymore the the real thing that the owl is trying to teach us is to shut up and listen because those guys are the word i always use for them is unfuckwithable because you know what 
you don't govern me. You know, they're just, this is, we know what we are. They are comfortable in their presence. When you sit with an owl, something, a powerful animal, or, or like a bison, when you're near a bison, if you've ever been close accidentally, which my wife and I have, it's powerful. But when they're, when they're calm, it's powerful and amazing, scary. But, you know, when you're sitting with an owl, you know, they they have the worst. You are not the top of the food chain. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I've had, uh, some interesting experiences this summer with birds that I completely, I'm like, how did I forget to mention this? But my friend, Michael Wan, who I do a podcast with, he's been on Chance's show a couple of times. And he had a really odd experience with an owl this summer where there was an owl that was burrowing under a tree that him and his uh, spouse, Jenny, were walking by. Right. And I found that, you know, interesting now remembering that little connection there. But then the other bird experience that happened was finding a injured great blue heron and, yeah. you know, pulling over. And I mean, we went into like, cause you know, I love animals. And as you're describing that, I'm like, you know, I'm really rejoicing or, or relishing really in this. Cause I, I love animals and there. I mean, if people don't find this interesting, well, guess what? You're on the, my family thinks I'm crazy podcast. It's a little bit about, it's a little <laughs> bit about me sometimes folks, you got to get used to that, you know, but, but I try to make it more about the guests as much as I can, but yeah, I mean, birds, animals, so special. And I went into like bird rescue 911 mode and, and pulled over and, you know, he didn't want to come with us, obviously, because we're just some weird like humans to him. And I, you know, got down into this bush. He escaped into a bush, you know, got into the bush, grabbed them. Tara grabbed a towel from the car and we wrapped him up in a towel and we brought him to this farm. People could hear the whole story on the Your Handbook for the Apocalypse show. But yeah, man, there's something really, you know beyond words about having experiences like that. And what I've really come to know, and you've touched on my conversation with Gordon White, I don't know if that made it into the recording, but there's something conscious about all living beings for sure on an intelligent level, but there's also something conscious about all life, not just life, but just the world itself, you know, landscape, certain places, you know, like you were saying earlier about Arizona, and I think there was something special about the area where we found this bird, you know, injured. And we just happened to be the right person, right people at the right time to be there. You know, there's something interesting about that. And owls definitely play into synchronicity and time. But even a bird itself, like the, the nature of time is kind of connected to how they operate, you know, with their with their sort of overseeing everything you know they're kind of like above but i don't know getting a little stoned here losing my train of thought <laughs> save me you know, gordy you're right about the you're right about the owls they are the guardians like, right they they are because they, they guard that tree in fact one of the observations i had which is i guess is pretty rare is that that tree is flooded also in the spring with hummingbirds because the hummingbirds will come and 
there's a relationship where the owls in the spring will protect the hummingbirds from the kestrels. So the hummingbirds, when they're, when the, during mating time, they'll come to that tree. This has been observed in Northern Arizona in, there was an Audubon article I found about it. So it's, a, I guess it's a thing. Yeah. But I, I mean, it felt well, like. You see this happen in nature all the time where, where animals will take up sort of symbiotic relationships with each other to avoid predators and yeah owls definitely beat kestrels so hummingbird is wise to hang out with yeah. the owl who has no business fishing around with hummingbird eggs you know yeah i heard i heard them get one one time i didn't see it but i heard it and it sounded like a horror show man oh that man kestrel was messed up yeah wow yeah, and then I mean that giant roadrunner too. You, I wonder if there's any giant owls. Have you ever heard of the owl man sightings in Chicago? Yeah, yeah. Uh, have I, you looked into that at all? You know, I I have years and years and years ago. Like, of course, going down the whole Point Pleasant rabbit hole and the Mothman thing. Right. So yeah, I've I've heard them all, and I honestly I haven't. I've kind of purposely not read the Mike Cullen, Cullen is it Mike Cullen? Book? Oh, Mike Cleland. Yeah. Cleland. Yeah. I have, it's on my, it's on my Amazon list, but I'm like, mm, I don't know if I, I want to find some stuff out first, you know, about myself. Agreed. And I think that's a, that's a noble thing to do, but Gordy, I got to say, man, a lot of stuff today that you brought up that connected with me, very inspiring. I want to give you a chance to tell the listeners where they can find you regularly every Saturday, Weaving Spider's Web. You gave us a little bit of a, a teaser about what the show's about, but tell us a little bit more. Take up some time. Tell us about Weaving Spider's Web. Yeah, man, it's a fun thing. It's a conversation and of a bunch of guys that ha would never, probably in a million years, except for Sean or S.B. Alger and Jim Maiden, they, they know each other in real life. They used to do Arg's Only Picture Show. And so we just have conversations with interesting people, but it's a conversation. It's not a lecture. We try to, you know, if somebody's got a presentation for us, we'll, we'll listen to anybody. But after that, we're going to, you know, see where it goes. But it's always a yes and, like, okay. If that's true, then, you know, but, you know, with criti critical thought, like these are some smart dudes and we all have, you know, cause you've been on and Cheney's been on and Lindsay's been on. And so if you're fans of any of those podcasts, like they just, sometimes it's an endurance cause it's like five, six hours, but the, the mind blown factor. <laughs> You like cranks up when the flow gets going and we can't stop. Like, or we just don't want to stop. Okay. Because the flow is just good. And I don't know, man, you want to get into liminal spaces and Yakim and Boaz, we can go all night <laughs> and the myths. And I just, I love it, but like the smartest people, like, and, and, and the conversation goes to, I mean, you know, Crazy places. It's just like, and I it's love really it. Really hard. 
hard to deny the synchromicism that happens in that because you're watching it happen. On the air, live in recording forever for people to be seen so long as YouTube doesn't have any funny business. But you guys ought to be backed up. Maybe get that backed up on the Odyssey if it's not already. You, you said I was very down to earth. Well, I appreciate that. But I, I will say that's very much because the show was down to earth and I felt like it was very low pressure. But one thing I want to mention also is still I've started Snake Jones. If you don't know who Snake Jones is, Snake Jones. He's listening in the telegram. Shout out to Snake. Yeah, shout out, buddy. He and I and, and SB Alger have started a group where, you know, if you've, it's an invite only. So, but I just want to make it known that it's out there. We, we want to talk about, you know, recovery and getting over things and sharing our triumphs, you know, how we actually got over stuff. And it's a, it's a men's group. So, and it's private, it's invite only, but if, if that's something that you want to hear our conversations and like, it's a private, it's more like a support group meeting, but talk to Snake Jones or SB Alger, or I can't remember who else is in the group. I think I got but invited if, in there. Yeah, you're in, I invited you. Very cool. If, if anybody wants to do that, we're, we want to set up a, like a, once a month, Maybe twice a month. We'll see how it goes, but or just a definite big one. But I want it to have to be open, where we can just kind of have. If you guys need to talk or you want to talk about things, you know, because it helps us to process this stuff and have an honest conversation. If you're going to be in there, you know, we don't want lurkers. We want people to be, you know, active and participating but it helps each other to talk about the stuff that we've gone through and how we've come over come through those things so i wanted to make a concerted effort to really you know be out there for people to talk about that stuff that you know we need to process it we need to process some stuff as men very cool I mean, yeah, agreed. I don't think there's any shame in that. I think that it, yeah, definitely. I mean, Telegram's becoming such an awesome place for these kind of communities. We'll see how long that lasts. You know, these apps seem to be, you know, but there's always mimic apps that come up and, and there's a lot of like alternative apps that I'm aware of that are still kind of in beta, so to speak. But I love what's happening, sort of the in-between space between the podcasters and the listeners and and uh, I've had a bunch of people who listen to the show and support the show on the show. You know, actually a couple interviews that are yet to come out are with folks who support on the Patreon and either started their podcast recently or, you know, are doing really interesting things in their own life that are worth talking about. So, yeah, man, I think there's a place for that. And if anybody listening wants something like that, like I said before, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to us. I'm so glad that you said that because that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier and i didn't even realize that's what that group was so yeah if anybody listening is hearing this and they vibe with that reach out to myself or gordy and we'll send you that invite link and yeah brother i got you no know, i gotta say 
Very interesting. I thought we were going to go in one direction, and then I, I listened to a podcast that you did, and I'm like, oh, we're going to go in this direction, and then we went in a whole other direction. I don't know. I shouldn't have expected anything less dealing with the weaving spider's web over here, but, dude, this has been great, and I think this is going to be the first of many conversations that we have because, yeah, that's uh, that's something that I could use myself personally. So I'll be there. And it looks like you got someone who needs your attention over there. Shout out to your, your pooch there. But yeah, this is Dinky. Dinky. Well, shout out to Dinky. And thank you so much to everyone listening and everyone supporting on Telegram. Gordy is there in the Telegram for my family thinks I'm crazy. So support us. Come on over, join the conversation, and be a part of the community. Until, Until it's live. This interaction thing is how, mm. is how we need to do it. We need to do you know, stuff in time, in, in real time together. Right. right. I think it's, it's powerful. You know, I've done meditations with the roadways crew and it's very powerful. If anybody is starting meditation, I would suggest her. She's an excellent guided meditation. Right. Coach. Yeah, no, Lindsay's great. So yeah, but until next time, Gordy. Thank you for being here, brother. And thank you to everyone listening. Have a great moment wherever you are in the now. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, what a conversation with Gordy Hamill. Thank you for being here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Mystic Mark. Don't forget, today's episode this month is sponsored by Truth Smacks. Truthsmacks.com. The truth never tasted so good. It's the only trail mix for those walking the flat earth. I've been munching on it in the past day or so, and it's good stuff. Great stuff. Shout out to Truthsmacks, truthsmacks.com to get some for yourself and gift it to a friend. There's a bunch of flat earth information on the packaging, so it's a good way to red pill some unsuspecting hungry fools. Anyways, today's uh, homie that's joining me in the extended outro needs none of the sort because he is already very well versed in all things conspiracy being one of two on the rising from the ashes podcast his co-host dan has joined us here before he himself has joined us here before multiple times so shout out to my homie romy that's right roman from the rising from the ashes podcast is here in the extended outro Enjoy this conversation now with Roman. And thank you for sticking with us, folks.
extended outro, so we don't typically do video for this, but... Recording in progress. Cha-cha. We're going to do it. What's up, Roman? How you Fuck doing, it. bro? Oh, man, I'm doing great. I'm doing better now. I'm here with you, baby. Cool. Glad you're here. I, I appreciated you texting me this morning. It's impromptu, but I was like, you know what? I need to, I need to record one of these, and who better to catch up with than the homie Romy, so... I don't know. Do any of these names ring a bell? Benjamin Balderson, Chris Knowles, James from We The People. Those are some of the guests that are yet to be released on the show. And I think this conversation is tagged in the back of my conversation with Gordy Hamill. Is that Gordy Two Shoes? Gordy Two Shoes, you know Gordy. Yeah, man. That's cool. Yo, Benjamin Balderson is an amazing human. His area of research is so, it's it's, it's awakening a lot of people's minds to the alchemical cosmology. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. I know it did me. I heard him on first originally on Crow 777. And they were talking about uh, alchemical cosmology and that, that it's basically backwards energetically than what we have been you know led to believe on a mainstream level and i always thought that was really fascinating well I, someone like yourself you're you're in a similar situation to old benjamin there out on the in the wild you got some land you ever do any experiments with alchemy at all ever try anything like that? i do well there's mental alchemy you know, hermetically speaking is something I've been kind of getting into more lately as opposed to like physical alchemy um, and transmutation of like, you know, different parts of the consciousness to try to dive deeper and understand more because hermeticism, there's something about it that really draws me to it and draws me to that, that area of like esoterica that is really fascinating to me. And so I, I definitely work a lot with with that sense of things. And, and by that, I mean like grounding myself and being in connecting to nature and trying to connect myself alchemically. So, so to speak conscious alchemical to the land and to, to try to communicate and to t and to receive downloads from Gaia. Right. So Shit. that, <laughs> Oh, I will say, okay. Th does this count though? Does this count? So I am starting a herbal smoke botanical company with a friend and we are calling it scepter smokes which was birthed from the idea of that episode i did with you and that whole area of research right the antiquated transhumanism because recording scepter... stopped uh oh no we're good we're good i just okay. switched over to obs the scepters are an incredibly potent energy symbol that is passed on through like deities all the way back to ancient Egyptian Sumer um, times like there's you know if you look at all the cave paintings the the hieroglyphs and the drawings and the etchings and all the things there are scepters held by gods gods hold things in their hands very commonly right and that's to be interpreted however and then you bring it to the physical realm where we actually have gold scepters held by royals and we have these things scepters are prominent there's something connecting there right so i was like hey scepter smokes like you hold it in your hand you smoke it you know it's combusting there's something going on there and so what i've been doing is mixing a bunch of herbs like 
our base blend is mullein, mugwort, calendula, lavender, and raspberry leaf. And I grind them all together and it makes a really nice smoke. And then we'll add like other herbs like blue lotus and damiana and just for different potencies we're going to have five different flavors five different blends for the five different elements to try to tie in those connections there and then we're going to go one step further and then have it be tied into five major arcana from the tarot deck so they'll all have that kind of theme tied along with it this is going to be something that people can smoke you're saying or is it an incense no, no, you absolutely smoke it. Very mm -hmm. cool. Wow. Yes. I'm, I'm sending out samples right now. To the days when I would uh, sort through arrowid articles on arrowid.org. Oh, yep. dude, there's some birds <laughs> flying around behind you. That's cool. I don't know what kind of bird was just soaring in the background. It's a hawk. It's That's a hawk. A hawk. Wow. Yeah. All right. This, this, whole ca this whole canyon is loaded with hawks and vultures. Very cool. Yeah. Dude, we had a, a vicious snowstorm two days ago and Tara and I went out for a walk on uh during the snowstorm we just walked out to the beach because we're crazy like that and we wanted to just be out in the elements and it was so fascinating to see all these birds just like loving the snowstorm like they just fly around in the flurries and are like oh, that's, yeah. yeah and I saw I don't know if it was an osprey or a hawk because his face was kind of, I don't know, any way other to describe it than like a snub-nosed face. It wasn't quite like protruding <laughs> like a like a hawk. It was almost like an owl, but it definitely wasn't an owl given where it was. It was like flying around the swamp, but it was really, really striking. And now here we are, birds flying in the background. I'm jealous. I wish I was podcasting outside right now. One day. <laughs> Well, you know, it comes with its downsides too, right? Because we're in drought, drought mm -hmm. land, right? right? Northern California is very, very drought written. And then we're also in the fire capital. Like where I am is absolutely 120,000% the fire capital of the, of the country. So we get a lot of sun and we also get a lot of other shit. So mm. it's like, you come to take some balances. But the great thing about it, I will say is, you know, this, the power from the sun and the energy from the sun is stronger here too for that reason so there's that to tap into which is which is great the other things you know i mean i i think that the droughts and the fires are you know there's there's something else to them that has to do with disaster capitalism that i haven't delved too di uh, deep into because it's just you know with our work, you know, it's like we have to be careful with what we choose to go into <laughs> because it. when you start taking a lot of time to research things and really dig up the truth, it's it takes a lot of time and energy, mental energy. Yeah, I agree, man. I think that's why I uh, approach it with my intuition because, you know, as much information as there is just like on my bookshelf alone, or, you know, in a podcast player, there's infinitely more information there than on the bookshelf. But it's like, that's, it's not there for me to just consume it all. It's there mm -hmm. to work as a tool. And if it's not relevant to where I am right now in life, then what's the use? Yeah, I think that's a great, great sort of ethic or ethos to operate under of like, you know, how am I investing my time into this? Because I mean, that's one thing, disaster capitalism, but there is this sort of 
you know, apocalyptic sense that people have when they get into conspiracy. And that can be, you know, black pilling and you feel kind of like, I don't know, doom and gloom and it really drags you down. So as much as we do get into those topics, I feel like it's, it's not the focus of the show. It's just, it's, it's relevant when it's mm -hmm. relevant and, you know, I don't know. We kind of started off with, with talking about your background there. What's been going on in your world, buddy? I mean, what's new other than Scepter Smokes? That sounds like a badass venture that you're getting into, but what else you got going on? Well, I'm definitely going to send you some samples Please um, to try out because I'm like in between choosing through either tubes. Like I ordered a bunch of hemp paper cigarette tubes. So it's all hemp paper and then a hemp filter. And then I ordered a bunch of the pre-roll cones like dispensaries are doing with like the pre-roll joints. So I'm going to send you some and then I would love for you to, to just give me your feedback on that. And also anybody listening, you can DM me on Telegram and I will send you some to try because before we, you know, start to like get the legal business side of things down, I'm trying to have the recipes be perfect and kind of know what people like and want from it. And if it's even of interest to people to smoke things, you know, that's not tobacco or cannabis. So we'll, we'll find out. You're definitely doing something that I'm interested in, or at least I experimented with when I was younger. So yeah, at people's own risk, I would say there's definitely like a couple experiences that I wouldn't want to have again when I was experimenting with the different herbs that you can buy legally. But I will say like mugwort, I had some really incredible lucid dreaming experiences with that particular herb. And it taught me a kind of important lesson in the long run when I look back because I was only able to have a lucid dream by smoking it like once like the first two times it was great but anytime I tried to smoke it after that I didn't have the same experience I don't know what mm -hmm. that was on a like physiological level but I, I understood that the herb was basically saying to me like hey you've seen everything there is to see now move on mm -hmm. like don't yeah don't like keep smoking this. And it was a pretty important lesson for somebody like myself who probably could have become, you know, addicted to something worse if I didn't have as much caution as, and fear as I did when I was younger. But, you know, obviously I smoke a lot of weed. I'm rolling a blunt up as I speak right now. So uh, beautiful, beautiful. But anyways, yeah, I'm excited, bro. I would try that for sure. And thank you for offering to send me those perfectly legal herbs in the mail. I appreciate it. Uh, yes, I recommend yes. you use FedEx just in case. <laughs> so you had that problem. But anyways, here we are in the extended outro. Homie Romy is here and you've been doing a uh, sort of interesting thing with your show that I don't think I've ever seen anywhere else. I don't know. Maybe you did get this idea from some sort of inspiration. Somebody might have inspired you if it is a unique idea kudos but for folks who aren't aware tell them what you've been doing with the show where each month is themed and you know what are you getting into oh. this next month coming up and, and what did you just talk about in january awesome thank you thank you thank you so much yeah i actually we didn't get it inspired from another show we got it inspired from our tartaria month that we focused on back I think it was the so you just said like we're gonna October. do a whole month of Tartaria episodes, and then yeah. you're like, you know what? This is a 
pretty good idea. We're going to keep this up because I love it. Yeah. I think it's a great way to to segment the show into like chunks of info. I think it's really interesting to to approach it that way. You know, and that's that's definitely it. You know, we're not in the realm of you know, we're not the researchers that have books and authors that have podcasts. We are the podcasters that are seeking knowledge and we have a wide variety of knowledge and info information. And with a co-host, it makes it easier to also, you know, you should have a co-host. Like you kind of get to, you know, you get to, to shoot off of each other. And if you both have extended information, then it makes it makes it easy to kind of like dive deeper into topics and to build each other up. And so through that, we've had some good epiphanies and 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 each other's area of interest, you know, originally, I wasn't so much into the biblical stuff, you know, just just naturally, but Dan was into, you know, more of that side of things. And it took me a little bit to actually get into it but now i'm like i'm understanding so much more especially after we talked to guests who specialize in like astro theology and you know alternative biblical stuff like that is incredibly fascinating i mean we have conversations with people um about consciousness we just had majid hassan on and he is a he was a a student of dr george king for 40 years and George King was famous in the 60s and 70s for having communications with Mars and other astral realms. And he was a huge metaphysical movement leader for, I mean, up until his death. And now there's still a, you know, a community that, that kind of like runs on Dr. George King's transmissions. And, you know, it's kind of just like Edgar Casey. You know, he's one of those characters where he, he had the accreditation of you know, working with specific yogi masters in India for over a decade before he ever had communications. So he was working on the work, doing the inner work, doing the physical work, the meditation and all these things. And what I'm getting at is even those people who talk, say they talk to these, these, these other planetary beings in these dimensions, right? Like, either interplanetary or interconsciously dimensional within like however people think that this you know construct works with what i mean by that is earth you know we just did a big flat earth debate the other night and it was like you know i mean dan and i are not flat earthers i was a flat earther at one point i had definitely gone down that rabbit hole but yeah so the jesus came up and you know and buddha and krishna and all of these they were ascended spiritual masters of their time just like these other you know quote unquote spiritual masters of our time they're there you know you can look up these people who do massive amount of meditation work and no it's not a cult but sure shit sounds like a cult a lot of times when you know you look into this cool. stuff you're like oh that's that sounds like a cult Tell me more about Hassan because because he just emailed me. What's it? I'm sorry, that's not his name. It's Wajib, Wajid, Wajid yeah. Hassan, mm -hmm. and he emailed me. So I'm just gonna make the assumption that maybe he, you guys recommended him to me, or maybe he just found us because we do podcasts together. But uh, but yeah, he he emailed me coincidentally yesterday, and that's just. I'm glad you, you shared a little bit more information because I saw his message and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's book a show. I didn't book him on my podcast yet because I always go for Sam's 
show first since I, mm -hmm. you know, work. Or get for, them on the zero for sure. Right. That's that's what I, nice. I just aimed for. So thank you for giving me a little breakdown of, you know, who he is and what he's into. Because now I can, you know, ask them. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Everyone, you go over it and get his book off of Audible. Um, he narrates it himself. It's it's a quick, easy four-hour listen, and it, it it's great. I mean, it's just, it's. I think his book is called The Struggle for World Sanity. A Muslim-born yogi, yogi mystic reveals the secrets to unlock life's mysteries, or some interesting tantalizing title like so. And so, um, you know, first opinion, you know, is like I get a lot of like, you know, metaphysical new age woo-woo stuff to put quotes around all of that is term people say right, for the new age metaphysicals of the world. But and so there's a lot of cheese that is in there, a lot, a lot of aged cheese riddled throughout it. And so, you know, I have to take things with grains of salt, but I also through doing the show, man, I'm like less judgmental. I used to be I'm, I'm more I am more skeptic on on things, but you know, intuition, like you said, man, it, it's so strong. It's so, so deep intuition. Do you have any maybe thoughts on, cause I like to, oh, I like to say that cannabis kind of helped me connect with my intuition. Would you, you know, agree with that? Did you have a similar kind of point in your life where you're like, oh, I think I'm tapping into something because into intuition is funny. It, you know, you might not realize what it is. Some people call it your gut instinct. Or, some people, you know, but it's not always about fight or flight, which I'm sure a lot of people, if you've been in a dangerous situation, you might remember that feeling, mm -hmm. but it can work in a very benign setting too. Like I always talk mm -hmm. about used bookstore instincts, like when you just walk <laughs> around, you know, and you find the right book yeah. that hits you and, and has that info you needed on your journey at that point in time. You know, that's why I love yeah. going to places like that as often as I do. It's like when Harry Potter's in the wand shop and, you know, the wand chooses you, you know, it's, it's got that specific thing that you need to whittle your magic at that time. And your wand can change, you know, you, you can break it, you can lose it, you can have used all of the goodness in it and ready to go on. Yeah, that's, 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 you know, it's funny as dig this man, dig this. Okay. I think a lot of time intuition is the same as people having their wake up story, you know, because if you're waking up, that means your intuition is telling you that it's time for you. And so it's kind of the same, you know, you can say, because for me, you know, when we go on to other shows, like we go and do swap casts and stuff. And you know, this as a fellow caster, got your, you got your head name way in the game, my brother. Been doing this shit. He already know you've been doing this shit for a minute now. And it's beautiful. Love your show. Love your work. Love you. You're great. I'm rambling and I'm going to get to my point here. So when we go on to other shows, you know, a lot of the questions are, what was your wake up? story what woke you up when was your you know and I, I find out my story changes a lot because every time someone asks that I you know, like start to think more right you know you remember a different piece of it yes and yeah. but it's like and then but now when you ask this question it makes me think that intuition and the wake up are the same you know that's when when did your intuition come to be when did you find out and discover your intuition when did you wake up from the societal sleep when did you realize that there is you know a template on reality a template set in stone like the matrix if you will like the rules of society and the saying separated from the cosmic reality you know michael wan says it best he says societal simulation he's like this 
you know, you get into cosmic simulation, you know, that's, that's, that's a different type of physics, but we are dealing with a societal simulation and that right there, the second you can realize that is that's your intuition, that's your wake up story. And then if you've listened to your gut that much to tell you that everything that's going on might be a facade, then that might be a, a sign that your intuition is actually getting stronger and you, you, your intuition is strong naturally as a, as a living being, but when you fucking choose to listen to it and act upon it, that's when you can engage in it and that's waking up. Right. Right. And I think for, for like a lot of us, our voice of fear and our intuition can sound like the same voice. So I think some people mm -hmm. sometimes let their intuition kind of maybe gloss it over in a situation where they're taking a risk, but you know, it's no reason not to take risks. I think risks are important, but yeah, I'm yes. sorry. I got a little, yes. a little distracted there with my rap. I realized like, I can't, I can't do both. I've been really getting back into my rapping lately and which is uh, wire wrapping stones and whatnot. Yeah, what kind of stone is that? This is a, a red Jasper with like a nice black, black stripe in the middle that really struck me. I don't know. I think it's called braciated Jasper might be the proper type, but just been getting really into that and using my hands and being creative. Good, um, good. <laughs> That's a, I have some good friends that run lapidary over in Oregon. If you are looking for any good rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Are you on the Instagrams? Yeah, of course I'm on Instagram. What are you talking about? Oh, you mean, mean my I, crystals? Well, no, no, I've been kicked off Instagram, so oh, like, no. I, just, what happened? I assume that other people, I was talking shit on Elon Musk. They banned my account, and every time I try to log back in, wrong password and all these things, and I'm like, you guys, like, it, it happened, I was just going on to SpaceX's page and Elon Musk's page and just kept calling him a hoe, you know, I was like, you're a hoe. <laughs> You're a liar. You're Why dirty. Why you do that? I mean, yeah, I, I, he is. I'm, I'm sure he is, but... Uh, I was stoned. I was like yeah. the right amount of stoned. And, I, don't, you know, I don't mean to like say don't do that because I'm all for that. But I, at the same time, like, you know, from the perspective of like trying to be a professional in this industry, if we're even going to call it that, while also still being authentic and honest, like I just have two accounts, you know, like I'll use my mm -hmm. personal account maybe to do something like that. but. Honestly, even not that, because like, I don't know, no, not, not trying to call you out, but I'm just like, oh, I don't mind. You know, I'm just like, I just can't, I can't do that shit anymore. And I have, I'm guilty of it for sure. And, uh, oh, I'm not, a, I'm not an internet troll by any means. I'll tell you what, like I, 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 I've never, arguments have started to happen or something has happened and, you know, I fizzle away, I, I log off, I get out, you know? Right. I've never been an internet troll, but that specifically, there is it. I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you. He's my arch nemesis. My intuition is telling me I that specifically I'm coming for him. I swear to God, you better line up motherfucker. Cause I'm gonna knock your ass out. Elon Musk calling him yep. out. All right. You're going to fight him for charity. All right, cool. Well, here's the thing. I, I, I'm, I gotta come clean right now because I did the same thing to that guy, Charlemagne. I was like, fuck Charlemagne. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, he's a Marxist, whatever, like whatever I called him on a Instagram post. And, uh, you know, a lot of people liked it, but I ended up archiving it or deleting it or whatever, just cause I'm like, you know what? I don't want to put that vibe out there. And also like if the Instagram helps me connect with people that don't know the show, 
then that's what I wanted to do, you know? And, and I, even like the live streams, I used to be like, fuck this. Like I'm going to do like, I'm going to play music and shit. And now they crack down on that. You can't play music Damn. on Instagram live anymore. If it's, you know, music that has a license, a copyright, they're like, oh, no, <laughs> sorry. And they end your live stream. It's like, that used to be a lot of fun, but you know, you know, it's like, I, yeah, I, we I, can't, we can't use these tools anymore except for what they're good for, which is promoting and connecting yeah. people to what we're doing. That's exactly it. I mean, it's, and it's really, really fucking good at that. I mean, algorithmic, algorithmically, it's literally made for that, but I will be, you know, honest, man, I, I, I was really good at Instagram. Like I was great at Instagramming. I had a lot of followers on just my personal page. And then I had like a, a poetry page and, uh, and Dan was, Dan runs the RFTA page and does that. And he has Instagram and messages people on there. But I actually had a problem a little bit. You know, I find that the algorithm was so soothing that it was so easy to get on and go. And so when that happened, I kind of also took it as a sign to just get off of Instagram because I did have a problem and I recognized that. And so, I, I mean, it wasn't like an issue where I would spend even massive amount of time on it, but it was just the amount of time I would spend on it. I would notice my energy levels change or my psyche change, you know, I would notice big difference energetically. So I do enjoy telegram better because it's kind of a more interactive platform, you know, and there's not, it's not really like based on likes and based on all this stuff. It's, it's based on like connecting with people and sharing information and it's more chat based. So that's kind of the only social media app I use right now. And I love it. I love telegram. I see you in my chats. I'm always down to, to talk with people on telegram. Shout out to everyone in our telegram and your telegram. I, I, I agree yeah. with you, man. Like I said, Instagram, it's cool. People send messages. I appreciate the messages that we get and I want those to keep rolling in. So that's keep why, going. that's why I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to put a bunch of conspiracy stuff on here. If it's just going to mean I have to like, you know, start over at some point, I'd rather just keep building it up slowly, but surely. And, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, just put the podcast artwork on there and the t-shirt stuff. You know, it's funny on the point of like censoring and banning, I've been trying to put different designs on t-shirts on teespring right and it's like made to order made to print type stuff so all i have to do is come up with a, a design and and you know put it on the little t-shirt thing in the teespring creator portion of the website and i post it and usually within like five minutes if it's not within their you know regulations or whatever their terms and conditions they send me an email and say like your design has not been approved if you want to on instagram no on teespring on it's teespring like, yeah okay, where okay. people can buy the t-shirts they say you know if you want to like what's it what's it called like combat this somehow you can like make an appeal uh -huh. right you can appeal yeah. to have your design you know re-looked at and I just, I don't, cause I'm like, I'll just make it smarter. So the, you know, algorithm, you know, cause I had one that said like, I'm 5G free. Don't, you know, with me. no, yeah, I'm 5G free. Don't mess with my frequency or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that got like taken off right away. I did one that said like, get boosted. And it was, <laughs> and it was like a weird, like monster. And that one got taken down. But then I put the same, I changed it up. So get boosted was smaller and I made the design like a lot cooler. Uh, I like how it looks like comic go. book art. 
I didn't yeah. draw that. I just took a bunch of pre-made images and put them together. And it looks pretty sweet. I don't know if people like collages. I guess that's a collage made by me. But but yeah, the the point I'm trying to make is like Teespring, they'll let you get away with certain designs, but it seems like it's not a human eye. It seems like it's just like an AI or computer that like grabs certain key phrases. Cause like the get uh -huh. boosted shirt, it's titled be safe, right? So I'm like, I'm not gonna put the word get boosted or anything like that in the title cause that might get flagged. But if I put the word be safe, you know, I don't know. Maybe you have nothing to say about this, and I'm just ranting about how Teespring's dumb. But uh, no, we have we have storefront tiers. How we we use, and we've been looking to actually shift because the quality of storefront tiers not that good, unfortunately. What do you 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 put out? Rising from the ashes shirts. Yeah, there? we just have our we just have our basic logo on there. You know, just to have if anybody you know wants just that, that's you know there for them. Well, I'll so. tell you what. If anybody buys the shirt from rising from the ashes or if they buy my family thinks i'm crazy and they take a picture of themselves and post it on social media i will send you a sticker for free from the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast. yep i think that's i, like, I will back that i will back his sticker sending hell yeah i think <laughs> stickers are are legit shout out to ryan Bledsoe. he uh, just sent me a picture he put his my my podcast sticker on his camera case. So that was cool. I got to give him a nice. call back. Shout out to you, Ryan. But, but yeah, Ryan. but yeah, I think that's, you know, that's the kind of thing that, and I think you can relate to this, that I really liked about this type of independent art that we're doing before I got into it is like, you would catch glimpses of it through like stickers and different pieces of like paper and ephemera, like and you're just chilling or walking around, you see like a weird sticker and you look it up and you're like, oh, this guy's a pretty dope artist, you know? So yep. if <clears throat> if somebody's ever driving on I-80 through Ohio, you might stop at a gas station and see my my family thinks I'm crazy podcast sticker because that's where I slapped one. I've also put one in uh, Albany, New York. I slapped one, you know, around my town, you know, so they're, they're all over the place at this point. But I think that's that's becoming like a fun thing with the show and people participating. You know, I had I had an idea one time and it's still an idea. It could happen because this is the power of stickers. I, I, I think that you're 100 percent right. Spotify allows you to do playlists with your friends, right? You could turn it on collaborative playlist. And so when I was living in Portland, Oregon, I wanted to make like a Portland playlist. So you slap the sticker all around, like all these bars, venues, shows, restaurants, you know, it's like Portland's a pretty artsy town. So there's just stickers like, you know, poles that just have inches of stickers before you get to metal, you know? And, uh, and so then it would just be people, whoever sees it and then goes on, a, they see the Spotify logo, they go to Spotify, they find the playlist and then they they can add songs to it. And so it's just, it's like a radio station of all these different people adding all this different music or something like that. See, now we're getting to what we were talking about on the phone. And I know we're just kind of rambling on here about all kinds of random stuff, but we do have shit going on off the record, you know, for folks who don't know, homie Romy is one of my key executive members of the All Media United Cooperative. That's right. That's where right, everyone is equal, but homie Romy and I are, are in an executive meeting sometimes, and we talk about what we might do collaboratively for the collective, for the cooperative, because that's what it's all based on is voluntary effort. 
And one of the ideas that we kind of had today was like, you know, maybe an Alt Media United internet radio. I know we have some mm -hmm. friends that do radio on the internet, Joe Roop, Fringe FM. It'd be cool if we had like an Alt Media United radio station. Sam Tripoli has one on his website for Tinfoil Hat episodes. But the key would be podcasts plus independent musicians. And I think that's where Romy comes in because you are definitely an independent musician yourself. You've sent some really, actually, I think people can hear some of your work on the show. A oh, couple yeah. of your, your intro beats that you sent me made it into some episodes back in like, I think it was like between episode 50 and 70, somewhere around there. But uh, yeah, people could go find that. That was a fun one. Yeah, I fucking, I will, I'll, I'll post one on, on the Telegram later. I listened to it again and it was funny. I was using this slicer thing. And so the voice, I remember it was like, Mark, Mark. Bummer, bummer. Yes, yes. Idle scratch afterwards. And I like, I listened to that the other day and I was just like, it kind of had this like jazzy tune. And I was just like, with that, I was like, this is such like a little mushroom song. <laughs> yes, dude. Well, anytime you have some stuff like that that you want to pass on to me, please send me some beats. I'm always putting stuff like that in the show. And that goes for anybody out there listening who's a musician. If you're creative and you want to contribute to what we do, and I'm sure Roman's open to this too. Send us, send us a message. Let us know what you do creatively. And we'd love to, you know, give you a spot on the show at, at the very least, uh, a shout out, shout out to bags draws who just made a sick t-shirt design for, you know, Roman, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. I've said on the show before that I don't like movies. And I'm really starting to regret that because now that it's colder, it's new. You know, I said that uh, it was summertime, yeah. Mark. I was all happy and in the summer and I had Jay Dyer on the podcast. And I'm like, yeah, Jay, I don't even like movies. And uh, I, I was I nice. that episode, by the way. That was a good one. Thank you. I was polite, but that's Jay's thing. You know, part of what he does is he talks mm -hmm. about Hollywood and the symbolism. He's got two books yep. about it. And so I said that to him and I'm really starting to regret it because I just started, you know, it's cold up here where I live and, you know, there's less hours of daylight. So we've been watching some movies every now and then, my girlfriend and I, and you get, you hear that pipe with the water in the background. Can you hear that? That's, it's ambient. I love it. Yeah. That's her taking a bath. But anyways, so, <laughs> so we were watching this movie Convoy by Sam Peckinpah and we watched like five or 10 minutes and I started to get this feeling like I heard, heard of this guy before and I had heard of him. His name was used as the title of a rap song by R.A. The Rugged Man and Vinnie Paz. So I knew who this director was just through the name of this song, but I didn't know like that this guy was a director. I just thought he was like some gangster because, you know, these guys are pretty rugged, tough rappers. I didn't, I, maybe they're rapping about some, you know, mafia guy or something, right? So I find out he's a director and I look up some other films that he put out because I have a uh, 2B TV, it's free, you just make an account and they, you know, it's pretty much free movies and TV. Then I looked it up. He's got a couple other movies on here. One of them called Killer Elite and the other one called The Osterman Experiment. Or I'm sorry, The Osterman Weekend. Both of which have to do with like the espionage, you know, 
American society. I mean, just super interesting movies. So yeah, I don't know if there's anything in there that you resonate with, but I just really regret my former statements and just wanted to set the record straight <laughs> that I, I am interested in certain movies. They just have to meet a certain set of standards. Oh, fucking A. I'm, I'm incredibly picky when it comes to, to TV and shit because, you know, look right here. This is exactly why, right? You know, but, but right. granted, I, I, it's, you know, we still have winter in California and I, I've been watching a lot more than I normally do in the summer. And bro, I don't know if you've seen 12 Monkeys, the series. No, tell us about they, it. Oh, they made a series and it's four seasons. So they cap it at end of season four. And they take the movie 12 Monkeys, the concept, everything, right? It's the same character, James Colt's not Bruce Willis, but even starting off with that, talk about movie symbolism. I was deep into trying to find anything esoteric or occultic ties into it. I don't watch the Marvel movies, but I know the Marvel movies are fucking riddled with them. They are riddled with them, dude. Like well, I just saw like, I don't know if night. you, you heard uh slick dissidents breakdown of the Marvel Gabe is my motherfucking boy. Yeah, so you know he he's broken them down. At least the Avengers series of movies is veiled mm -hmm. in the tarot card. Like each movie represents a certain tarot card deck through, I mean, through his perspective. But I think he makes a, a good case for it. But yeah, sorry to cut in. No, he, you're, you're good 100%, dude. I love Gabe. Gabe is, we're actually, he invited me on the Weaving Spiders welcome the other night, and we had a really good, so we finally started a Patreon, and I got a sideshow on there, and I did a, we did like a three-hour presentation of his territories, and then I, fucking lost the file files have been gone and so i was just like great we got to redo another one brother and he's like oh of course and and so yeah like we're gonna redo it but he said it was better that it worked out this way because now he's got it more concise he's come down to he's got a fucus tied into this story now so that was kind of one of the missing pieces anyways 12 monkeys so the main character james cole right which is JC, which I'm just going to leave that as it is. It's the main character. The whole story is wrapped around JC, this Jesus Christ character, James Cole, what have you. And it's about a underground, you know, civilization, world, peoples that had to retreat underground because the surface of the earth is too, it's too toxic, right? Too From hot. a virus. Too hot. Oh, okay. too, there, was a, there was a virus that got left. I don't know. Ooh, it's not Chronicles of Riddick. Yes, exactly. I mean, dude, it came out. And so the time, they're j the whole show, they're jumping around these different time periods, right? And so it does a thing where on the screen, it tells you what year they're jumping to, so on and so forth. And 2000, the show was made in 2017, and they jumped to 2020 uh, quite a few times. And yeah, it's it's a great show. Like if you want to watch a show that has quantum physics, the philosophy of time travel and time itself, talking about time is not being linear and that and then you want to have a show that has some potential of like underground military stories then 12 monkeys is for you it's awesome and it's only four seasons and they wrap it up it's not one of the shows that just keeps going and going and going mm. you know you know there's an end so you're like okay i can fucking watch this well I definitely need to check that out. It sounds like it relates, but I'm trying to find your Patreon over here, brother. You got to send me that link. I can't find it. I want to put it in the episode description. And when I go to Podbean, I mean, 
I go there and it says Patreon and then it says Rising from the Ashes, but there's no link. So what's the what? deal with that, dog? Maybe I don't know. It, maybe there's a link in the podcast app itself, but at least from the desktop. If I go to the link tree, can I get it? Maybe. Let's see. I, I I think so. No, you guys haven't put it on your oh link tree my yet. God, it's not on the so get that on the tree. link tree as soon as we're done talking, and I'll put it on Alt Media United, and I'll also put it in the episode description, and I'll also sign up for the Patreon myself, and I hope everyone else does too, because I want to check that out. And uh, you know, I'm glad you shared that with me, because I think I don't. I mean, we already both have our hands full with so many different shows and so many different formats but one thing that i would like to do is sort of like a movie type breakdown on the patreon Ooh, okay particularly with these two movies that i just watched the killer elite and the osterman weekend okay i'm gonna put that in my my movie notes yeah well i'll send you the link like i said they're free on tubi so you shouldn't have to buy them but i mean sam's done a bunch of other really great movies sam peckinpah so it's, uh, you know, just these two, and there's three others that are available on the, on Tubi here. But the other three, I mean, Convoy is interesting, but the other two, I'm not really a big Western guy, so I don't know if I'll check them out, but this guy's famous for the movie, The Wild Bunch. He's the director of the movie, The Wild Bunch, which hmm. I'd probably watch that. I mean, you could probably relate a little bit more because they're out West. All these movies are, <laughs> are kind of placed out there, which is cool. And Sam actually grew up in like san francisco fresno kind of that sort of the backcountry behind those areas i guess so he's kind of a rancher himself which is partly why his movies look the way they do they're kind of rugged and a lot of characters are more relatable to guys like us you know blue collar kind of working with our hands and it's just a lot of really interesting themes too i don't know i don't like i said i don't watch a lot of stuff so i'm not the most fluent when it comes to like critic critiquing a movie but i i think sam peckinpah and bruce lee are my favorite two directors if you can call bruce lee a director i mean he's more of a producer but and an actor but no that's that's great i'm gonna definitely definitely check out that because that sounds super interesting please um, do yeah he sorry bruce lee is considered a director what am i saying so yeah, uh, I didn't know. Yeah, if he would be. Yeah, I thought maybe he was more of a producer. So that I didn't know he was straight up directed too. I think he directed Enter the Dragon and like here. Let me look it up because I was thinking about this yesterday. I'm like both of the directors I like that I can really think of. I mean, there's really only three or four, and Stanley Kubrick I only really like because of all the conspiracy stuff oh, people yeah. talk about. Oh, yeah. You know, but like from a viewer perspective, like Bruce Lee's movies and uh, sam peckinpah's movies have just hit me just because of the way they look i don't know what it is i think i just like 70s 80s films you know but well, yeah i'm gonna then send you in the direction of another director to go down the rabbit hole from the director of Don donnie darko okay who's that so Oh man his, what's his, his name? name kelly okay richard kelly so he he did donnie darko 
and it's it was and it was a cult classic for its like art style but then you know the conspiracy theorists got hold of it and started to break it out apart because it came out in 2001 or right before 2001 and there's the plane jet uh, the plane jet engine falling into donnie's room and time mm-hmm. travel and quantum physics on that and conscious understanding and it's fucking super deep once you really start to get into it but he did these other movies and he only did two like two other movies and they're with huge actors and you just got to watch these fucking movies because it's like like this guy's given leaked information or he's just done so much work and research that he wants to tie these into his art pieces a lot Mm -hmm. of times i don't know if it's like oh maybe the director's like working with the military um what i do know about the the movie industry though is if you're going to use guns and tanks and stuff like that in your movies you actually have to get it approved by the military so you have to go and get this approval, which means you, they would then have in touch with a director or whoever, which means if that's the case, then it would be really, yeah, you can do your own fucking, <laughs> do your own science on that. What yeah. that means. That means to you. But then again, you have these other directors who may just might have just read the Kabbalion, you know, they might just know these like old Gnostic texts, hermetic texts. They might just know a lot of occultic information. And then they tie that into their art to kind of make it more interesting and seem more appealing. And even to send people down rabbit holes, because if you're creating content, often the time is to send people down rabbit holes. I mean, mm. is to take a rabbit hole and to throw it at somebody else. That's what Donnie Darko is. Donnie Darko is about a fucking rabbit that he follows when he sleeps. You know, like it's about the wake up story. It's about intuition. When Donnie was out of his room the night that the bunny woke him up, told him the world was going to end, drug him out to the golf course. That's the night the plane engine fell into his room and he would have died. Right. You know, but they don't touch on that at all in the movie. Well, right? you're the script to is very limited. Out. <laughs> yes. Well, so it's like, what the fuck, man? Like how much forethought do these directors put into this shit? It's nuts. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. And I'm interested. The, the other two movies that you mentioned are titled Southland Tales and With The, the Rock Box. and Stifler. Oh, and Stifler, yeah. Sean William Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. That's Yeah, it, it seems trip. like it's a, a conspiracy movie based on the, the description. It says, during a three-day heat wave, just before a huge 4th of July celebration, an action star stricken with amnesia meets up with a porn star who is developing her own reality TV project and a policeman who holds the key to a vast conspiracy. Interesting. And then the it next is movie is The nuts. Box. The Box. Yep. Which is a creepy movie. I think Camry, uh, I remember. Camry, no, it's not trailer. a horror movie. Not a horror movie. It's creepy, though. It's a creepy. It's a, uh, a small wooden box arrives on the doorstep of a married couple who knows that opening it will grant them a million dollars and kill someone they don't know. Anytime someone's going to get killed, I think that's creepy, but oh, I don't know. Creepy. Maybe I'm just sensitive. Yes. <laughs> I don't, no, I don't no, always absolutely. watch, like, I definitely don't watch horror movies, but I I don't really typically watch thrillers, so, you know, those two Sam Peckinpah movies that I mentioned, they're they're thrillers, but they're really more, it's more for the conspiracy content. So, yeah, I'm interested in... The box is not a thriller by any means. It is like you have to watch, no, because (laughs) it's just as much as a thriller as Donnie Darko. Okay. It's um, more Richard of a, Kelly's a mind is, psychological type movie. Exactly, exactly. And it's not even scary, like, at all, like... Dude, this Richard Kelly is one of the directors where I'm just like, yep, 
like this okay. fucking guy and I'll um, check it out. Three movies and then you're done. That sounds like an infiltrate, you know, or some sort of, if, if, you know, it's like, Hey, you're going to direct these movies. You're going to put this symbolism here. Right. You'll get paid. You'll be good for the rest of your life. You'll be in the club. You're good to go. Like you might direct a movie when you're fucking 60, 70 and be known as, you know, the famous director that did all these movies when you're younger, you know, who knows? Um, Don't sleep on Richard Kelly. He could be working on like a 10 year project and, and then COVID put him, you know, who knows? Ah, shit. Yeah. You know, like maybe he was going to put something out and then everything happened, but yeah, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, not to switch gears into COVID, but people like the updates. I mean, oh, we had Lord. the whole Canada co- convoy. We had, you know, Biden basically getting shut down in the Supreme Court. A lot of shit's going on. But on the local level, what's going on over there? Same old shit? Yoga studio still makes me wear a mask to the mat. I got to take it off at the mat, but I have to wear it outside the mat and that hasn't changed. And it's not because the owner, it's because she's scared about some of these yogi yuppies that might come in and say something. Right. But all the stores, I don't, the co, the co-op, the, the health food store is the only store that literally yells at me for not wearing a mask. Right. I go into Safeway, I go into Food Max, I go into Grocery Outlet, all these other stores, gas station, you know, cafes, whatever. No one says anything. Right. They, they, they're wearing a mask. They don't care if I'm wearing one. It's like, whatever. But these specific places like these healing places, like the yoga studio and the co-op, which I tend frequently and I spend hundreds of dollars there because these are the types of communities I generally like to support. And it's so interesting. You know, it's, it's conundrical to say the least. That brother. I mean, we, we go like 30, 40 minutes out of our way just to go to a co-op type grocery store that is in Whole Foods because we want to support the local guy and mm-hmm. you know they're the only one that we've come across in the whole state really other than this really small one that's not too far from us that doesn't enforce the mask they have like a I guess everybody who's afraid of the mask comes before 10 a.m because it's like the masks are enforced from when they open till 10 a.m every day but it's like, whatever, I'm, I'm barely awake at 10 a.m. So I'm not going to the grocery store, but so we support them. But yeah, it's sad to see like the ones that are closer that we could, you know, spend less money on gas to get to are, are exactly as you described, yelling at us, kicking us out. I mean, I, I, the last time I went to, crazy. it was a disaster. I, we, I mean, I already talked about it on the show. I don't want to rehash it, but we're here in 2022, brother. We got a big year ahead of us the year yes, of the tiger do. it's mm-hmm. coming up i mean we got this lunar new year right is is today actually happy happy chinese new year bro is it today it's either today or tomorrow i, I mean i'm not the best with that kind of stuff but i mean it's soon i haven't i uh didn't even know about it because well like, this by the time this episode is out by the time this episode is out it will surely be the the new year for most cultures in the world. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting because, you know, around this time last year, you and I had that synchronistic kind of connection where you left a voicemail on the higher side chats that was played literally back to back with the voicemail I left with the higher (laughs) on the higher side chats, joint sessions. And uh, it was the last joint sessions from now. I don't think, I don't remember if it was December's joint sessions. Yeah, it must've been because he hasn't put the January one out 
quite yet, at least when this is being recorded. And my message got on there. I don't know if you heard it, but I, I got a, a shout out on, on the Higher Side Chats joint sessions recently. And I gave a shout out to Peter Shampoo because I think he'd be a great guest for the Higher Side Chats. And then I also recommended Chaz of the Dead because that dude is just cool as fuck and actually... Oh goes out of his way to investigate stuff, which I was just very impressed by, like, you know, his story and, and what he's doing. So I think both of those guys would be, you know, good guests. But either way, it's, you know, Greg, he shout really out to him. He goes to the location and investigates, like, hands oh, on. we got to get, I mean, I know you guys, maybe this might fit into March's theme. I don't know. Maybe it'll fit into whatever you choose for April. Have you chose a theme for April yet? But we um, should get Chaz in a conversation with you. That'd be sweet. Oh, yeah, especially even if we put it out as a Patreon show, too, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we're taking any and, all, any and all things on. During the week, we have to do after, like, 6 p.m. PST, just because that's important information for you, too, also. <laughs> Wednesdays after 6, 6 p.m. PST is, is the best, or if it's on Sundays, anytime Sunday. So those cool. are the two, two days we do booking, usually. But when it comes to other stuff, I live on a fucking farm, so I will do shit any day, all day. And if it's a Patreon shit, like, for me, the Expanded Understanding show, is great because it's like I get to choose who to talk to it's just me going so I like it's it's a little bit more you know personal and stuff and but yeah man I I just fucking love podcasting I love this shit dude it's so, so great I'll be uh, I'll be sitting here waiting for my invite to that show sounds fun oh. <laughs> yes yes absolutely okay I actually have a couple ideas too and so yeah, man, I don't fucking know, dude. Life is great, man. Like, COVID is ridiculous. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. I will say this. Let me get your opinion on this. This is a bit out there, but, you know, could be could be possibility. Who knows? What if we're stuck in a 100-year time loop cycle where things repeat themselves system systemically? So, you know, in the 1900, when we came up to that century mark, we had the turn of the century. Everything was really good coming from the the from the the last the last part of the 1800s. There was a lot of buildings happening, money was flowing, everything was good. America was getting established even more, and you know Europe was good. Everything was good, good, really good. <gasps> Great Depression. Oh no, sorry, Spanish flu, including a couple other type of qualms happened, and happened in 1918. Right, right around 100 years. Right when the COVID situation happened. And then that followed up with the Great Depression. And so you went from the Spanish flu to the Great Depression, straight into World War One, and then into World War Two. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I don't believe it's gonna happen, but I, I always think it's a fun thought experiment to think that if we're gonna go through the same exact almost period as the 1900s with the with the with a flu with a, a market crash and then into wars to kind of just you know keep the world out of populace that can be manageable and controllable and i'm like well if that's the case then it probably happened 100 years before that and you start you know i mean granted there's always there's literally always wars and there's literally always someone people dying there's genocides happening somewhere by other people making it happen, by governments making it happen. That's always been a thing, right? There, when has there been a period? When has there been one year without one country not warring with another country? I think you just answered your own question. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I definitely think that, that that's true. You know, the recent 
episode of Tinfoil Hat when we're recording this was with Dan Shukas from the Cosmic Keys podcast. And I think when you oh, wow. look at what he said about, you know, he's not the inventor of astrology, but I think he just really gave an amazing breakdown, especially for folks who listen to Tinfoil Hat and are maybe more conspiratorially minded. I don't know. They're more geared for conspiracy than like the astrology stuff. And he, the way he broke it down was like, you know, there's this sort of fixed cycle and yeah, I mean, those yes. influences yeah. affect us here, wherever we are, ball, plane, whatever it is, you know, mm -hmm. they're out there on the other side of the dome or the atmosphere or whatever it is. And, and they affect us however they do. So yeah, I agree with that. I think there's sort of pattern that cycles through and, and. What's also neat is there's also this sort of secondary cycle that has another set of influences. So even though there is this sort of more uh, steadily rotating cycle, there's this second cycle outside of that, that sort of turns almost like a gear inside of a gear where the smaller gear makes more rotations in the same amount of time that the larger gear makes, you know, maybe less rotation. So for every, you know, one rotation of the larger gear, there's three rotations of the smaller gear, right? So mm -hmm. when you look at it like that, it's almost like, okay, we're going on this cycle and this cycle and the, the juxtapose of those two influences, almost like the yin yang behind my head there have corkscrew effects mm -hmm. on our trajectory. That's either downward or upward based on what the collective consciousness is going for and i well, think the elite tried to in flow too right that well it, it, effect. Of, yeah absolutely does but i think that's kind of where the elite fall is is being the sort of primer for that like they're kind of like you know trying to influence it somehow you know in this position that they're taking but could be held by anybody but they just figured it out and left us all ignorant. Mm -hmm. So now mm -hmm. they're gearing that cycle towards their own benefit mm -hmm. and our demise possibly, but that's very black pilled to think that way. But I think, you know, that's kind of just the nature of the universe and our place in it. They try to blind as many people to the power so that there's less people tapping into that power. And in the past that was to protect the rest of us. And now that's been, you know, derailed to fool the most of us, you know? So anyways, we, we could, we could go on on these tangents forever. Yeah, what? That's that. This is a whole two hour episode topic on its, on its own. No doubt like this is that I mean that but you're right you're touching on on a lot a lot of points I wanted to I was going to bring it back around but I won't because like I said this could be a whole to Wajid and his his mm. his mystic master Dr. George King and the whole uh, concept of the soul's journey and the soul's vibrational journey to each location cosmically to you know and reincarnation and and that whole thing and and how that plays and how our vibrations are are being kind of just dampened while the other you know because if you look at the history it's always the goal of the elitist in power which generally comes with religious power is to ascend 
right? Ascension, you know, at least speculatively, we, we assume that there's, that the, the Egyptians were, were looking to ascend spiritually and to ascend to a next plane and that the Aztecs and Toltecs and Mayan cultures, the pyramid building cultures, or, or some people speculate that Atlantis wasn't blown up in a nuclear uh, cat, 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 catastrophe. Nuclear being, you know, doesn't have to mean like an actual nuclear weapon, but it being atomically or, you know, chemically induced, which they there's, you know, if you people want to go into the Atlantis thing, look that up. You know what the fuck I'm talking about. But instead, these people transcended and ascended to the next plane because their vibration as a community, as a society, was at the proper elevation to do that. And so, you know, that's what you're saying is like we're being kept down here whilst there's a, a group trying to get to the next level. And they, they know this old occult information because they know that their journey is to get to the next one. They, we can find out we could do it if we want. If we're so smart to follow the clues and the, and the breadcrumbs that they've been laying for us, then we can fucking get the sweet, you know, fruit from Sir Lucifer, the light bearer himself. And, but you know, yeah, I mean like it's, it's not even conspiratorial. It's you could look at the 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 artifacts and the literature left behind by our ancient cultures to find this stuff. It you know, and so you just gotta do the work or listen to the people and do all the things. I digress. <laughs> I love that phrase. We're gonna have that in the intro somehow. But you you almost answered. I feel like we we left uh, a question on the table that went unanswered, and that may be a good way to finish things off. Tell the people what two <laughs> themes you're getting into in the next oh, two shit. months. No, it's fine. I mean, dude, everything we talked about was all over the place, which is to be expected when two friends get together who still haven't met in person, but that will yeah. happen one day. I mean, yes, geez, we're yes, coast to coast. Maybe we'll have to meet in the middle. I mean, the Rockies, if you go over the Rockies and to mm -hmm. Colorado and I go across the plains, maybe that's a midpoint. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> I want to invite you, Mark. I want to invite you to a special thing. It's soon, so you know you'd have to to prepare for it. But so the two months that we got going on is we got Divine Feminine happening in February. We have all women guests. We have an extra woman host, Dan Sisters, coming on to help us co-host it. We're dedicating this one to Sophia right to the wisdom of the woman and that energy and so we got a lot of really good guests on that this month and then for march we're doing the return to tartaria and at the end of march we want to well we are dan and i are going to be there and also casey from starfort command we're going to go to san francisco and do a tartaria walk where we basically rent an airbnb we hang out with whoever the fuck wants to hang out. We go walk around this old Tartarian town with all this crazy architecture and shit, and we just have a good time. Maybe we go see a show, we go get dinner, we go look at cathedrals, we go look at the state capitol buildings, we hang out, we learn, we go into old bookstores, you know, we, whatever, like we just fucking do it. And so you're 100% invited. If you want to come, if you can make it, you can swing it, would love it, dude. That'd be great. Cause it'll be the first time Dan and I meet each other as well. Well, I definitely want to come. Yeah, I can't promise that I'll be there given how far that is, but who knows? I mean, that's a couple months away. Who knows where I'll be? Tara and I are definitely considering moving somewhere, but uh, 
But yeah, man, I don't know. I mean, for multiple reasons, I want to go to California. So yeah. I'll pick you up from the airport. (laughs) Well, now you're sweetening the deal. (laughs) And I'll house you. I won't buy your ticket, but I'll pick you up and I'll house you. All right. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll talk a little bit more about that between now and then, I'm sure. But (laughs) check this out. I made this the other night. I wanted to show you. Whoa. I don't know if the camera is going to focus on it, but uh, yeah. That thing is loaded up, dude. Yeah. It's got uh, honey calcite, I think is the name of the biggest stone in the middle. And then tiger's eye, amethyst, citrine, quartz. Just, you know, trying to get back into rapping now that there's actually people who might want to check them out and take some good vibes into their life. Yeah, it is battery. That That's the problem, though, is I make really cool ones and then I don't want to sell them because I'm like, oh, I love this. I want to wear this, you know, so... <laughs> You're going to have to wait on this one, folks. This one's not going to be available for a few months. We'll see. Man, if you want to do some tradesies, oh. I'm super down because I love wraps. I'm not wearing one right now, but I usually I usually am. And, man, dude, if you want to go rock hounding out here in California, I got dude. you, bro. There's a shit ton of quartz and jasper out here and jade. Dude, and- I'm so down for that. I just want to state the irony of what just happened. I went to pull this wrap off my lamp because I have them like strung on the lamp and nice. the cord dropped my, we'll call it a phoenix, into my ashtray. So it just rose from the ashes. Like, how did that just happen here? Holy but shit, man. It's, it, technically, crazy. it's a Thunderbird, but I think Thunderbird and Phoenix are kind of similar. So that's that's awesome. Yep. Here we are, folks. Check out Homie Romy at Rising from the Ashes. They got a Patreon now, and there you can find all kinds of awesome content. Dan and Roman are both doing their own side shows along with Rising from the Ashes, which, like you said, is themed, which I think is cool. It's like you're taking folks through course by course each month with awesome different, you know, speakers and lecturers, people who have a lot of information on a certain subject. So it's almost like People are listening to like a free academy every month that switches up courses. So I love it. I think it's a great way to rise from the ashes is to go on this kind of journey where you're not just learning, you know, things sporadically, you know, in a scattered way. You're learning about a topic over a month. I mean, honestly, I'm a little jealous. I think the Rising from the Ashes podcast listeners, which I'm going to be a part of now that I'm going to start tuning in, are going to like, you know... I don't know, just like get a brain boost or something. I'm not trying to give you, put you guys on a pedestal too much, but I think you guys are going to become a bunch of smarty pants over there by approaching it that way. I feel like a stoner now. I'm like just talking to whoever, whenever, and you guys are like systematically going through it topic by topic. (laughs) I like it. It's cool. Oh, thank you, man. I really fucking appreciate that. Well, it's like I need as much format in my life as possible, you know? <laughs> and so, that. like, it's like, you know, I live where I work and I work, you know, on a farm. So there's a lot of this, like, you know, interconnectedness. And so schedule and formatting for me is incredibly helpful. I think that's one of the lessons that I'm learning. Willpower and guide, not guidelines, I was organization, organization and self and self willpower. Those things fucking a, when I get those, I'll be, I'll be champion of my time for me. Like that's my soul's journey right there, brother. Right on. Well, I'm going to wrap you up a nice crystal with that in mind. And if folks are interested, they go to the link tree and check out the art store. We have a merch store and an art store. 
Check out the art store. You can see all my raps and uh, support Rising from the Ashes on the Patreon and get those awesome bonus shows that they're working on. And thank you, folks, for tuning in. Be sure to support Gordy Hamill as well. Thank you for listening and sticking with us all the way to the end here at the extended outro. I love you all for listening. And you know what? I was thinking about this today. Big shout out to our homies in the Dominican Republic, in the nice. in Jamaica. I mean, oh, I was shouting out all these other countries and I forgot to look like right down there in the Caribbean. So, you know, shout out to you guys because there's a bunch of people listening to the show in the Dominican Republic and in Jamaica. I didn't even realize that. Mexico, we got people in Egypt. We got people in France. We got four people in China. We got a lot of people in India. I mean, this is popping off. And of course, Australia, yes. UK, yes. And, and Canada are, you know, the top three in Ireland top four outside of the u.s so shout out to everybody listening be sure to support rising from the ashes oh and we just did an episode with uh, your homie dan roots of creation we did sort of like a roots nice. of creation swap cast that was fun so shout out to everybody up there in northern europe yakim couldn't join us he was not feeling too good but uh but anyways i'm just i could just ramble on forever we're here chilling people in russia even listen to the show shout out to everyone in russia i gotta turn this off peace out everyone have a great moment wherever you are in the world listening in the now